Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. When you hit this day, when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, next steps, careers, further education, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me the path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. If it's meant for you, I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. <laughs> The light of new realization shines on you today. Howard's legacy is not wrapped up in the money that you will make. 
but the challenges that you choose to confront. As you commence to your past, press on with pride and press on with purpose. God bless you. I love you, Howard. Howard forever. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I'm Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up, man? Uh, before we really get into things, I want to give a, a a big prayers up to Chadwick Boseman and his entire family. Um, I'm going to be honest, friend. I, uh, with everything that was going on this week, I, I really was not feeling recording this week. It just, it, I just didn't feel like I was in the right headspace. And then last night, as I'm I'm talking to Sierra just about all these things about Jacob Blake and what's going on in the country. And I feel like I have survivor's remorse. I've been diving into that lately and all this kind of stuff. And I get a text from JJ, uh, like a baller alert page saying that Chadwick Boseman died. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, what else, man? Yeah. Um, and I went in the room cause I was about to go to go to bed cause I had work in the morning. And I'm watching all the videos and everything and just sobbing, you know, because that was a special moment, man. Uh, Chadwick Boseman did a lot of cool work, but we came on on this podcast and, and we were really excited when we saw the trailer for Black Panther. And then when we saw Black Panther and it was just this moment in time where, you know, it always feels dope to be black. Like I, I'm very a, a very proud black man. But when you see people who historically we don't know, unless you do the research and I haven't yet our ancestry, our lineage, our, you know, our original names, none of these things, but to see everybody celebrating the idea of us all knowing that Mm -hmm. Africa is home and and all these things, it was such a prideful moment. And it really inspired a lot of adults and gave hope and and somebody to look up to, to a bunch of kids. And um, if in a weird way, as sad as it was that this guy passed away, it was it was so beautiful to see that stuff come up again. People were sharing their pictures of what they wore to the movie theaters when the movie came out mm-hmm. and all these beautiful things. And after I really, when you find out that he had colon cancer and he's had colon cancer since 2016. Yeah. And he filmed like five movies, including this movie that we all love that changed culture, uh, opened doors for black people in Hollywood and all these things. He was battling cancer. He looked he was doing fight scenes and was incredibly in shape and doing all these stunts and everything while he was battling cancer. So I said to myself, I mean, you know, this is not, this podcast is not an obligation, but it is something that, you know, uh, it, it is something I, I, that I choose to do, you choose to do. And um, it is an obligation to me. I don't have to do it, but I feel like I have to do it. And uh, when I found out what, Chad with Bozeman was fighting. I said, well, man, we, I gotta, we, we gotta, we gotta do the podcast. Mm-hmm. How can I say, oh man, I'm not really feeling the podcast today. And this dude who I have so much respect for has been ca- battling cancer for all these years, going to Hollywood premieres, doing movies, taking care of his family and all these incredible things. I can't, I couldn't not do the podcast. Mm-hmm. So as emotional as I may feel, as, as sad as I may feel, I don't even know if I want to get into the whole Jacob Blake situation because it's just so it's just so crazy. And it, I don't even know what there is to say at this point. It seems like it's, you know, how many more times do we have to see these situations happen? 
how many more times do I have? We have to prove that this person's worthy of not being murdered in the street, no matter what their criminal record might have. You know, it, none of the, these things don't matter. When you see something that's wrong, it's just wrong. And I don't know how many different ways you got to see it before people. At this point, you just got to accept that some people just don't want to accept what's going on. Yeah. And there's always going to be, uh, well, what about this that he did? And how about this? And there was this in, in the car and all these things. Um, again, I don't even, uh, you know, prayers to Jacob Blake. I, you know, I hope he continues to make as much of a recovery as he can and prayers to his family. But I don't even really know if I want to get into it too much. But um, that's really up to you, Fran. I'm going to go ahead and if you got anything you want to say. Uh, uh, now's the time. No, not really. I wasn't to, for some to not for some reason, but uh, I feel like today was on my way over here was like I kind of wasn't looking forward to recording today. But yeah. I mean, um, we are here. We here now and doing it. So it's like I'm not really thinking about it too much. But um, it's a lot going on, man. It's 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 hard to for me personally to like try to compartmentalize everything that's going on based yeah. on all the stuff you see in the media, and then the stuff going on in the African American community. Then you got stuff that you that some people are dealing with uh in their own personal life that you got to. It's, 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 and then you got some, you got to go to work, and then you, all that stuff on your mind. It's 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 pretty tough sometimes, most days. But um, now with all the stuff going on, and then for me, I think about and the people that's close to me. Nothing bad has happened. Yeah. So it's making me feel anxious a little bit for some reason. I understand. I don't, I don't know if if you get what I'm coming from, but it's no, just I like get, no, definitely. It it it's just it's weird, man. It's yeah. just like. Feels like it's, it might be like it's inching closer yeah. and closer yeah, yeah, yeah. To, into your personal space. Yeah. So yeah. it's it that it just makes me feel super anxious and it drives my anxiety. It's just it's 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 tough to deal with all that, man. It's a lot to deal with mentally um, on like a daily basis. For sure, man. Um, coming from where we come from, um, I consider both of us. It's not luck, you know. Like we both made active decisions to stay away from certain elements to keep us out of bad trouble and, and, and establish ourselves as adults. But this is leading me into the Jacob Blake thing a little bit. Um, I know guys that have records that are good dudes. You know what I mean? Like they just are, they just do what they have to do to survive. Cause it's hard out here. And when somebody's criminal record is brought up as justification as to why they were gunned down in the street. Uh, that's where my whole feeling of what I was talking to Sierra about was about, about survivor's remorse, because like I said, I mean, I have cousins I, I slept on the floor with, we woke up at grandma's house together and hit their pathway went this way. And my pathway went that way. And there weren't, there weren't that many things differently yeah. that, that I did that didn't t- send me in that direction. So it makes me think about, um, it it makes me almost feel bad sometimes where I'm like, man, you know, when I wake up and, you know, I got my dog and my fiance and I drive a decent car and I have, I'm employed and I don't have a criminal record. It, you almost kind of feel bad about it because, mm-hmm. you know, people that, you know, are good dudes yeah. that were at were athletic, could have gone this way in, in high school, but just didn't have somebody in their corner to push them a little further. And they could be doing way better than you dudes with with. NBA height and yeah. NBA ability, track star ability, 
and you know they just didn't have the right people in their corner or they made the wrong decisions but y'all were right next to each other and you just went a and they went b so I, that's something i've been dealing with for the last week or so is just um once this jacob blake thing happened i think about all the things like sierra's dad for the third time for the second time has gotten me a knife for Christmas or for my for my birthday or anything like that. I know dudes that are my job that have I that have knives. Mm-hmm. I have I took one of those knives and I put it in the driver's side uh the little, you know, the little cubby yeah. on the door. Mm-hmm. I took it out of my car, man. Because I don't I don't know what Jacob Blake's intent was. But no matter what happened, he got shot seven times. He didn't have anything on him and then later they go, "Well, he had a knife in the car." So no matter what people say about if you comply, you won't get in trouble with this. You don't have to worry about that. I don't know that to be true because my eyes have told me differently. Yeah. So I don't want to have a weapon in my car because I don't want to give anybody a reason to do anything to me. And um, that's a lot. From, that's a lot to process. Even like after you do it, you go, damn, like, I don't think there aren't people that, that think about this stuff. Yeah. There aren't people that, you know, like a you keep a knife in your car, you go, maybe I need to like cut something from underneath my car. Mm-hmm. God forbid uh, some a mugger comes and I protect myself of some kind. I don't think everybody has to think about, well, I don't want this. I don't want to be, I don't want, I'm worried about how people perceive me having a knife. Yeah. You know, when a knife is supposed to be for protection, I don't want to be seen as a threat. I don't get to protect myself. Yeah. You know, Jacob Blake doesn't get to protect his kids or whatever his intent was for his kids. Like, no. You don't get to do that. You're a threat. You know, Walter Scott didn't get to, you know, run away and, and have, you know, get pursued and get caught and have a day in court, mm-hmm. you know. And, and and I think that's the that's the toughest part for me is to see people saying, well, he shouldn't have done this. So he that's why he deserved to die. Eric Gardner. Why was he selling cigarettes outside of that store? He knows that's illegal. So, yeah, he died. You know, I just, I just, I don't think there's a justification for murdering somebody in the street like a dog, you know. So that's kind of where the agree to disagree happens for me. Yeah. You know, it, it, the conversation, it, it, it has, that's the cease point for me. Where I'm trying to convince you that people shouldn't be killed in the streets mm-hmm. like dogs over misdemeanors. Um, Like I said, man, I mean, we're here. You know, um, we consider ourselves a true crime comedy podcast, but um, the Chadwick Boseman thing was kind of the icing on the cake for me. I probably could have come in here and shook off the Jacob Blake stuff and said some real shit, but then made a joke and talked about the kids being found in Atlanta. They found all these kids in this sex trafficking ring. I could have found a way to be lighthearted about something and at some point, but that this one's still really fresh. Um it just, uh, I don't know, man. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know Chad Chadwick Boseman. You don't, you don't know Chadwick Boseman, but we didn't know Kobe Bryant either. You know, we, you, you, but you recognize greatness, and when people do something that transcends sports or transcends acting or whatever their medium of choice is, when it just transcends and it really it hits you in your soul. That's what Black Panther did. You know, there was a lot of the Ben Shapiro's and the 
Fox News types that were um, questioning, like, why, why are black people so excited? It's just a movie. And they, just, you know, it, it just was something that you had to, if you know, you know. You know, yeah. that's all it was. It, I, it, it was nothing I could explain to somebody who, if you didn't feel it, then it wasn't meant for you. You know, so it was just such a moment. And, I, and it sucks that, you know, that man, that man will be, you know, honored and his family will grieve for him. But then the selfishness in you comes about and you go, dang, you don't, you, you don't get that moment again. Yeah. You know, we don't get Black Panther because I don't want it. I don't want them to recast it or put some, I don't, it's, it's done for me. Yeah. So we don't get a Black Panther 2 in, and if we do, it's, it's something completely different that I'm, I'm open to seeing, but it won't be, it won't, it won't be that because from that clip I played in the beginning of the show, that was Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman giving a commencement speech at Howard university, his alma mater. And that was, uh, that was a proud black man, you know, and you could feel that on the screen when he played T'Challa. You could feel that in his in his in his commencement speech. You could feel that in his interviews. You could feel that he loved us. He loved black culture. He loved black people being creative. He he just loved dope black shit. And you lose a little bit of that when that's your that's the that's the front of your ship, and you lose that, you know, like so. It's just a, a big loss. And like I said, condolences to his family. And we're gonna we're gonna get into the show, but it's just uh it's 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 a it's a sad time right now. It's been a sad time, but it's just this one kinda took the took the wind out of my sails even more. So, um we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna you know get into the show. turn to go first this week my affirmative murder this week is about the unsolved murder of elisa lamb mm. um I'm sure some people may have heard this story already uh i thought it was the story was a bit bizarre um so that's right reason why i wanted to do it um so let's get into it so lamb the daughter of immigrants from hong kong who opened a restaurant in barnaby just outside of vancouver canada was a student at the University of British Columbia, although she was not registered at the beginning of 2013. For her trip to California, Lamb traveled alone on Amtrak and inner city buses. She visited San Diego Zoo and posted photos taken there on social media. 
On January 26th, she arrived in Los Angeles after two days. She, te- she checked into the Cecil Hotel near downtown Skid Row. Mm. Lan was initially assigned a shared room on the hotel's fifth floor. I'm guessing this was a pretty cheap hotel at the time. It's a shared? Shared hotel room. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a, an option. Yeah. That won't be happening for me. Um, what however, if you, What if you get a really good discount? No. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. I guess it depends on where we are. Still, You're Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where you are. You're on Skid no, Row. No, that ain't happening. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, however, her roommates complained about what the hotel's lawyer would later describe as certain odd behavior. And she was moved to a room on her own after two days. So um, I would assume that her her roommate was odd. Well, I think they're saying she's odd. She's odd and they moved and her? They to, oh, I thought it was saying like her roommate her complained roommate about her. <laughs> her roommate was like, oh, she's her roommate odd. Was like, she's weird. I don't want a room with her anymore. Oh, shit. This sounds like a, a hostile but that's not really American culture, so uh, that's weird to me. A shared uh, this whole Share thing, hotel shared rooms. hotel, yeah. Because you go to Europe, you go to Ireland, you go to you know other countries. They have hostels where it's like a boarding room, a boarding house, where yeah. there's a bunch of kind of open floor plan rooms with a bunch of cots and you yeah. know things like that, kind of scattered about, and you can pay to stay there. But you know you might sleep with your book bag on or yeah. with your stuff tied. Uh, that's to not you sleep. Or, that. No way I can get rest. You that save way. so many shillings or whatever monies no, they use over there. Oh no, man, you sleep looking like with one eye open? Nah, <laughs> uh, nah, it ain't happening. It's thrilling though. It's the thrill, is it it's the thrill of the thrill of travel? Is it? I don't know. I stayed in five star hotels. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a life. I've never been in a hostel. Don't know in, about hostels. Not <laughs> happening. Whatever extra money I have to pay, I will pay to get a room <laughs> of my own. So, um. Built as a business hotel in 1920s, the Cecil fell on hard times during the Great Depression of the 1930s and never re- recaptured its original market as downtown decayed around in the late 20th century. I mean, that sucks as a business owner. You build this hotel, yeah. and then get hit um, during the Great Depression, and then you just and your whole everything neighborhood, everything around you, just like oh, falls the fucking part. We're the ghetto now. Yeah, that's 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 got to be a rough. That's a, well, the black people went through that where you go oh. Our property value keeps dropping down because yeah. we don't. The tax money doesn't come here, so yeah. Oh, this the neighborhood sucks now. It reminds me of my grandma's house. Now my grandma lives in the city. Mm-hmm. Has this white house that sits on the corner. Mm-hmm. Right. She has the the best looking house on the block. Right. White keeps it clean, but it's not and, saying much. And though, it's not right? saying much because it's like when you hear my grandma talk about it, the neighborhood changed so much. So when they got there, it's like it's unbelievable to hear the stories like. Yeah, this this block was full of white people. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah, and then three black people moved in, and white people were like, "We're out of here." That is crazy to me. But man. yeah, no. If you drive through Baltimore City, and again, you see so many parallels to so many different cities on the like on the east coast of the country. So yeah. I'm sure there were a lot of cultural resemblances. But my mom tell, told me when she was a kid, grandparents, her parents would be like, "Okay, it's Sunday. Everybody get out, wash the steps." Yeah, had, you know we, the. The kind of row homes in the city have like you know the these, stone, concrete, yeah. these concrete steps, mm-hmm. and every every weekend the the kids go out wash the steps so yeah. everybody's steps look pristine. And now it's like man, there's houses the steps aren't even on the you know the, the house the yeah, yeah you yeah. know and, and the boarded up houses and everything. It really is a bummer. My grandmother doesn't even whenever she comes and visit here, which is rare. Yeah, um, she lives in Vegas. She won't even go. She doesn't even want to see her old neighborhood yeah. or anything like. It's like I don't even want to see 
what happened to yeah. all my memories. My neighborhood that I was born in doesn't even exist anymore. It's like not there. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like I would love to go back and see, but yeah. but it goes, yeah, that that that's not even it's there, not there anymore. anymore. It's like yeah, like that's that's crazy. But this is like, so was it like all the white people living in the city? So was the county not developed yet, or was it like yeah, vice no, versa? It, it was or the, was sub, it? the suburbs were being okay. developed. Okay, and gotcha. then as they de- and they the development of them sped up. Yeah, through white flight. Yeah, where it's like, oh, we need we're not staying here. We need to go somewhere else. And with them went the jobs. Yeah. So the you know the, all the inner city plants and mills and all that kind of stuff. They went out of the city with them and so you're left when you know black people set up roots yeah it's like oh well my job isn't here anymore and all these things so this neighborhood is uh there's no equity in this neighborhood anymore like right. it's now there's no value in living here but i'm i'm upside down on my house now because yeah. it was expensive when i bought it and now the property value plummeted and i'm stuck here you know That's so sick, man. it happens man uh so yeah so um the original market as downtown decayed around the late 20th century Several of Los Angeles' more notable murders have happened at the con- at or have connection to the hotel. Oh. Yeah. So um, so in 1964, Goldie Os- Os- Osgood, the pigeon lady from Pershing Square, was raped and murdered in her room at the Cecil. A crime that was never solved. Um, let's see. I have a list of other things. So um, uh, the Black, the Black Dahlia. Black Dahlia was reported seen drinking at that hotel at the hotel bar before her death. Wow. Um, Richard Ramirez, known as the Night Stalker, lived mm-hmm. at the top floor hotel during his um his killing spree. And then you had Jack um He lived in the presidential suite? I would assume of, <laughs> of a of a shitty hotel, but still I guess at the time it wasn't. Well, you said it. You said it went bad during the depression, right? Maybe so. Yeah, maybe yeah, Richard Ramirez was like the seventies yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so you could you could go presidential suite. I could get the presidential suite at, at Motel Six. Yeah, you yeah. Know. So I guess it's the Cecil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack um, Unterweger, who was uh, the Vienna Strangler, who was a serial killer, also stayed um, at that hotel. Mm. So they had a lot. I, I'm a. I want. I have a list of things that I want. To, a couple of just things that happened in this Cecil Motel. Okay. Um, and November nineteenth, November nineteenth, nineteen thirty one, uh, Manhattan Beach resident W. K. Norton, who was forty six, was found dead in his room after mm. um, ingesting poison poison capsules. Oh. Uh, September nineteen thirty two, a maid found Benjamin Doddich, twenty five, dead from self inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Um, he left no suicide note. July 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Barton, 53, was found dead in his room. Um, his throat was slashed with a razor, uh, but he did leave notes saying that he killed himself because of poor health uh, was the reason. Um, in March 1937, Grace Margot fell from the ninth, from the ninth story window. Mm. Um, so it's just like a lot of, it's been a couple people that's just, Found dead in their room. Yeah. Uh, suicide. Some type of congestion, like pills or like capsules or whatever. Poison. Yeah. Uh, jumping from the the higher floors. It's like, I mean, this this place the, was yeah, the energy in the hotel yeah. It's 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 haunted. Dark, yeah. It's it's haunted in there. You remember we saw that movie in the movie theaters? It was called Fourteen Oh Eight. Yeah. It was John. I don't Cusack. remember. But I do remember us going to see the movie. Yeah. That I feel like I could be wrong, but I feel like maybe that I might have been slightly based on this hotel. Cause he's like staying in this, 
hotel that has bad vibes while he writes this book about something. I can't really remember the movie, but he's haunted by all the spirits in the hotel, basically. Yeah. Sounds like that, yeah. yeah. You know, because, I mean, this this hotel, probably when you walk in, you can feel the, like, anguish and the all that. That's a lot of misery and stuff in those walls. Yeah. I wouldn't want to stay there. But, you know, there's people that probably, it makes a certain amount of tourist money per year from, like, true crime fans and and people who are in the ghost shit to go want to go stay in this girl's room or the room where the dude not happening nah i'm good no what is that noise (laughs) i left the tv oh that's good it sounds like carnival music (laughs) i don't know if the mics picked it up i got i was gonna ignore it but i'm no i'm not ignoring that i know what the fuck we talking about ghost shit i was like it's like boom 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 like what is that noise all right <laughs> uh so yeah um so there also been suicides uh one of which also killed a pedestrian in front of the hotel mm. um after recent renovations it has it has tried to market itself as a boutique hotel but the repetition mm. lingers yeah that doesn't go with no, much You're not change management your, yeah, or whatever wallpaper it's not gonna happen the cecil it says the cecil will reveal to you whatever it is you're a fugitive from so in your case if you were staying there and there was a box of Rice Krispie Treats that just popped up, I mean, I don't know you, why would, you, feel like you, you would eat them. This. I don't know why you'd feel like you need to do this. And if it was you there, you would wake up every morning eternally forever in a bunch of different pairs of super tight, colorful skinny jeans because that's a phase you went through. And I'm going <laughs> to find the pictures one day and embarrass you online because you, dre- <laughs> you used to dress like a new boy. And, and people don't forget. I'll find the photos. <laughs> you won't find. You used photos. to wear a Power Rangers book bag. You won't. You, you were. You were. What did you, you have? Wore, what did you have? Like Superman boot bag or something? I don't know what I, I didn't uh, have. I don't. I didn't have on colorful skinny. Whatever shoes. picture that you find, you're in it. So <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> Touche. Uh, yeah. So um, I thought that was a pretty cool quote to say. Like you know. Yeah, that's creepy though. <laughs> yeah, is, that that is is that from somebody that works at the hotel? Because it sounds like they're no, leaning is, into this it. This is like a journalist. That oh, like okay. Like, I stayed there, and it's creepy. It's not <laughs> nothing boutique about this place. It's yeah. a ghost hotel. But he spent the night there too. Yep. No thanks. He spent the night there after how much? Um, Lamb's death. How much would it for me mm-hmm. to stay there? Mm-hmm. Realistically. Realistically. Okay. Not crazy number. Like realistic. Yeah. Uh, one, your stay is comped. That's okay. one off the top. I'm staying there for free. So whatever I get, that's not coming out of it. Yeah. For me. Okay. So what? How? What's the length? How long am I staying in? Um. Uh. Uh. A, a long weekend. So a long weekend. So Thursday to Monday. Twenty grand. Twenty grand. Yeah. And I mean, like, stay there. Like you, you're not. Can't leave. Can't, you're not like going to see Hollywood, and then yeah. I'm coming there right I think at the only thing that's at gonna, nighttime and yeah. going straight to bed. I think that that's still be the part that creeped me out is that night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you. I mean, you have to do a full hotel experience, have dinner in their uh, dining hall and everything, because you can't go out. You know, it's you can't just hide out in your room for four days. You have to experience the hotel. Maybe like a hundred grand. A hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, that sounds more like it. Because yeah. I now I'm adding stuff to it. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta yeah. go up through the, the servicemen's yeah, entrance like, and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, you got a yeah, hundred grand. If I just had to stay in my room. Lock 20. the doors or whatever. 20. 20. I'm, I think I do 20. Okay. But uh, all this shit that's going on, I'm like, man, I don't... You start. That's when you it started playing mind games with you. Exactly. You start hearing shit that really ain't there. That's, 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 <laughs> that's, that's why, for me, 
it's tw- it's twenty five if I can just stay in the room. Yeah, and and a hundred grand for me as well for yeah. a long weekend. But just one night, I could do it for five grand. Yeah, uh, that, rem- that reminds me of a, it, I saw a, a tweet that goes, "Why is somebody always trying to break in my house when I'm in the shower?" This <laughs> is hilarious. When you're home by yourself. I'm not. The door's open, and I'm you know every every yeah every you ten minutes hearing shit like pull the curtain back. <laughs> you know, it's shit like that. That was like you think you the only person that 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 does oh, shit man. like that, but you're not. We all do until somebody thing. brings it up, you go. We all do the same Damn. Shit. Yeah, we discussed <laughs> it on here a few yeah. uh, like probably a hundred episodes <laughs> back when you you're calling out to the darkness is. Like you want somebody. Yeah, to, yeah. What if they answer back? You don't want. You don't. Why is that the immediate go to? Like, hey, you get all that bass in your voice. Like, what do you? Best case scenario, your butt ass. <laughs> that creeps me out. Your man. butt ass. You know, you got your finger. You're, you're an inch deep in your belly button. You know, and, and you. Hey. Yeah. Who is that? Sudsy. You. You have no defense except yeah. your voice. You don't want but anybody that, to call back that, but to that's, you. But that's you showing like, hey, this is my house. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Whoever you are. If there's a person out in, in that darkness need to wearing uh, robber clothes, you know, like a, a little uh, scully, a yeah. black scully with a black and white sweater with black pants, yeah. and they come around that corner and you're in their butt ass, they don't care whose house this is. <laughs> so all that bass is But that's, like, that's what you got to that bass in that voice for like, hey, yeah. man, you ain't supposed hey, to Hey, man, <laughs> I keep a gun in the shower. <laughs> it's not my dog. is just... Or one time I did that where I was like, hey, hello. And I heard like, sping, and then it was like Bella just popped her head around. I was like, <laughs> scared the shit out of me. All the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so that journalist wrote that. But then Lamb had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. Mm. She had been prescribed uh, from four medications Welbutrin, um, um, Welbutrin, Lamactol, Seroquel, and Ofexor. Uh, to treat her disorder. What year is this? This, um, twenty thirteen. Oh, twenty thirteen. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say I don't. Depending on what year it is, I'm like those medications. They don't have enough. Like, they don't know enough about the psychosis to. Yeah, this twenty thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, see, she took those four medications to treat her disorder. According to her family, who supposedly kept her history uh, of mental illness a secret, Lamb had no history of suicidal ideas or attempts although one report claimed she had previously gone missing for a brief period of time mm. so in mid-2010 lamb had begun a blog named eat the fields on blogspot not too familiar with that eat the fields eat the fields yeah and that's i guess that's the blog name she was going by are eat you saying like fields. eat e- ether oh ether fields ether fields yeah okay. on blogspot over the next two years she posted pictures of models um and fashionable clothing and accounts um, of her life, particularly um, her struggles with mental illness. On January 2012, Blogspot Liam laminated that a relapse, a relapse at the start of her current school term had forced her to drop several classes, leaving her feeling so utterly di- directionless and lost. Mm. She titled her post, You're Always Haunted by the Idea You're Wasting Your Life. After a quotation from a novelist, Chuck um, Polinuk, um, she used the quote as a, epig- a epigraph for her blog. Um, so Land worried that her transcript would look suspicious. I'm guessing this is work she was doing with school. Yeah. Um, suspicious. So with so many withdrawals that it would result in her being unable to continue her studies and attend graduate school. Mm. 
uh, a little over two years after Lamb had started blogging, she announced she would be abandoning her blog for another. She started on Tumblr. So she started one on Tumblr. Yeah, see, we missed we missed Blogspot era. Yeah. Tumblr was when we clicked into like uh, long posts and fanfic, you know, and pictures of cars. And Tumblr got us yeah, yeah, yeah. in that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we missed the Blogspot era. I remember people talking about it, but I didn't have a Blogspot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, she started a Tumblr, uh, Novelle Naval. Uh, her Tumblr page is still up. Oh, because I do, I still have Tumblr on my phone. I use it every now and then. I go in there just to look <laughs> for find, what. I, well, I go in there. People if still I, are on Tumblr. People still on Tumblr, but if I need to find a picture, Tumblr has all the best Got pictures. It. Yeah. <laughs> so I go and I go look for something. I go yeah, in there because they never come. They're still up. Yeah. Even the ones that were ever, ever posted are still up. Right, right. So I go in there. Um, the Tumblr page is still up. It's not much on it. It's just like white. It has um. Pictures like again of just like models. models and that quote that I just read. You're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. Oh, um, that is up. Um, so it's really nothing much on there. But I'm surprised the page is still up. I don't know how it, the terms and stuff works on there. If, if it hasn't been used, it, I don't know how that works on Tumblr. But I mean, you know, if you don't own the domain name and you can't get the password and shut the thing down, good shit's gonna stay uh, up. Oh, okay, well. Yeah, but that Tumblr page is still up. If anybody interested, they can look up the story and go look at it. It's not much on there um, of like her, like her yeah. life or something like that. It's just pictures she shared. Um, so Lamb contacted her parents in British Columbia every day while traveling. On January 31st, 2013, the day she was scheduled to check out of the Cecil and leave for Santa Cruz, they did not hear from her and called the Los Angeles Police Department. And her family flew to Los Angeles to help with the search. From Colum- from from Canada. Yep, from Canada. Hotel staff who saw Lamb that day said she was alone. Outside the hotel, Katie Orphan, a manager of a nearby bookstore, was the only person <clears throat> was the only person who recalled seeing her that day. She was she was outgoing, very lively, very friendly. While getting gifts to take home to her family, Orphan told CNN. She was talking about the book she was getting and whether or not um, it was going to be whether or not she was going to whether or not she was getting it. And it was going to be too heavy for her to carry home during her travels. Mm, got it. Yeah. So police searched the hotel to the extent that they legally could. They searched Lamb's room and had dogs go through the building, including the rooftop. But the canines were unsuccessful in detecting her scent. But we didn't search every room. Sergeant Rudy Lopez said, said later, we could only do that if we had a if we had probable cause to believe a crime had been committed. So the room that they checked her scent wasn't even in there. Not and in that was room. the room that she was staying in. Yeah. Not her room and the rooftop. I guess just I guess just like mostly high traffic areas. They could only search. I was assume they can't yeah. go in other people's room and whatnot. Well, I, would and, f- I would feel like again, I'm not a police officer, but yeah. if, if you were supposed to be staying in this room and you're scent wasn't in there when you bring the dogs and i would think that's enough probable cause to get you a warrant it's like well she wasn't staying in here so something's something that's up. weird that is weird yeah yeah, yeah. Um, unless the cleaning service comes you know the cleaning service comes every day and makes your bed and but they don't i feel like a canine should be uh, these trained yeah, canines should be able to pick something this, up you know well i guess they take the old sheets but this isn't a nice hotel anymore <laughs> so never mind i don't even know yeah, yeah, know. yeah. you'd have to know that information i guess um yeah so on February 6th, a week after Lamb had last had last been seen, the LAPD decided more help was needed. Flyers with her image were posted in the neighborhood and online. It brought the case to public attention through, through the media. 
So on February 15th, after another week with no sign of lamb, the LAPD released a video of the last known sighting of her taking in one of the Cecil elevators by video surveillance camera of February 1st. The video drew world uh, worldwide interest in the case due to lamb's strange behavior yeah. and had been extensively analyzed and, dis- and discussed. Mm-hmm. And that video on YouTube has got like over 20 something million views. Yeah. And it's the creepiest that. shit I have I have ever she's seen. Like, she like presses all the buttons in the elevator or so. Or she's pressing the button and trying to close the door. Yeah, but it's like, if you see that video and, do, and don't know the outcome, it's like, it looks kind of weird. Yeah. But if you, if like when you know what happens and it's like, this is the last time you see a person, that's what makes everything so, every, so creepy, makes yeah. your hair stand up or whatever. But it's like, she's hitting all the buttons. Uh, she's like, like she's like she's playing peekaboo with somebody. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. but is she hitting the buttons and the, the doors are not closing? Mm-hmm. Um, and she's coming in and out and doing crazy things with her. Hand. It was the that shit is creepy, yeah, very, man. Very creepy. Um, yeah. So in the clip, the camera at one of the elevator's cabs rear corners looks down from the ceiling, offering a view not just of its interior but the hallway outside as well. It is somewhat grainy. And the timestamp at the bottom is obscured. At some points, Lamb's uh, mouth is pixelized. I don't don't remember seeing that part anyway. Um, At the start, Lamb enters enters the elevator Mm -hmm. in a red uh, zippered hooded sweatshirt over a gray t-shirt with black shorts and sandals. She enters from the left and goes to the right. Control panel appears to select several floors and then steps back in the corner. Mm. After a few seconds during... During which the door fails to close, she steps up to it, leans forward so her head is through the door, looks in both directions, and and then quickly steps back in. Yeah, man, that's that paranormal activity shit. Yeah. Where uh, the the demon's right there holding the door open. You can't see. That's why the door won't close, because the demon's holding the door open right there. Remember in that first paranormal activity? That's one of the scariest movies I've saw. When they came downstairs, and there was like, dead quiet, and he was like, Boom. Yeah, in the chandelier. Wow. Like, oh, the theater. That movie. They got to open theaters back yeah. up when this shit. You can't watch those kind of movies at home. At home man. It's not oh the same. God. Like that movie was like when oh, you leave out. Up, when man. you leave out, it's oh. like you, you, par- you all look in the parking lot. Well, when we left out, it was fucking. It was handprints on my car. Yeah, it, it, it was. <laughs> man, come on. That that that, that the first paranormal activity fucked me up for a couple days. I had to go home and you you looking all the corners I go right and to sleep. Oh man, it was it, it was yeah. crazy. That but that video gives you vibes of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like she was, something was on her, felt like something was on her trail. Yeah. Or just like, it's just like ghosts know, like I know everything. There's, I know it's a camera with this, so I can't. Yeah, I can't show, I can't can't pop out. Yeah. But I'll hold the door open or, you know. But I'll stand right here where they they can't can't see see, but this person can know I'm here. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just that weird shit. But, uh, so yeah, so she goes out, looks both ways, steps back in. Um, so he leans forward, head through the door, looks both directions, then quickly steps back in, backing up to the wall and then into the corner near the control panel. The door remains open. She walks to it again, stands in the doorway, leaning on the side. Suddenly, she steps out on, out into the hall, then to her side, back in, looking to the side, then back out. She then steps sideways again, and for four and for a few seconds, she is mostly invisible behind the wall. She has her back um, to just behind the wall. She has her, her back to just outside the door and the door remains open. Yeah. So while she's out, she's like stepping to the left of the of the um, 
the doorway of the elevator. Right. Leaning against and then like doing these hand gestures and like rubbing her forearms. Yeah. And um and it's like the door's not closing. Uh-huh. And then after she did she just like disappears. Uh-huh. It's just the door going back and forth. Oh. And it's like and and it's not it's not it's doing not what going, an elevator is supposed to do. Right. Yeah. And it, it it doesn't like it's going to another level. Right. I mean, I don't know what the the, the hotel looks like. I don't know if every floor has the same theme or yeah. like that, it's like red or whatever, but it's like the door is just going back and forth and it's like what the fuck? And then the times is like they were saying that some people they think before the video was sent out to the media was edited, which mm. if it was, I'm not surprised. I think that happens all the time. For sure. Um take that part out. That's that's incriminating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially if it shows somebody that they think that has nothing to do. Sure. They they can't I mean, they can yeah. show that with them in the video. Uh so her right arm can be seen going up to her head and then she turns to re enter the cab, putting both hands on the side of the door. She then goes to the control panel, presses many more buttons, some more than once, and then returns to the to the wall she had coming to the ele- she coming to um the elevator from. Now it's been a while, but from what I remember, it it didn't even look like it didn't look like she's angrily pressing the closed door button. No. It was this kind of zombied out. Yeah. Yeah. And like pressing all the buttons. Yeah. Like it, it, you can easily tell if it's a, a woman or a man or whatever being like, come on, fucking close. Yeah. Like hitting the close button. Yeah. There was no frustration. No. Or it was just, it was like she was zonked out. Yeah. And just pressing all the buttons. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, this remind me of a story. What was the story where the it was the black girl that was I think it was the same situation in the hotel. Oh, that was um I think her name was Kanika Kanika Jenkins or Kanika Jenkins or they found her, when they found her in the freezer. Yeah, yeah, Kanika Johnson. I want to say. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of strange, strange camera camera footage. Camera was footage. Weird. They all like she looked drunk, looked drunk, but, but weirder than drunk. Yeah, and then like this, and then they say, and then she just ended up in the freezer. Yeah, like this clearly clearly looked like. Didn't, it didn't to me. It didn't like she was running from anybody. Like she was just having an episode, right? Yeah, she was yeah, having yeah. Some type of episode, mm-hmm. medication imbalance. Yeah, or and it was just like, and she just, it, she just wasn't Sleepwalking herself. Sleepwalking or just in a in a mania in a daze. Yep. yep. Just moving. So that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, it doesn't look like she's running from anybody. I still don't know how that Kanika Johnson story played out. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's they have it. footage of her walking and then like falling. Yeah. And but they don't show her like going into the freezer. And then there was all that uh, Instagram footage of her friends being like, they set her up. And then you're like, what? Yeah. So that's still a mystery that I, I we might have to look back into that. Cause yeah, I, man. I actually I forgot about I that. I don't even know if we now. have that. I don't even know if there's there's answers to that. I think they just went, yeah, she froze to death in the freezer of her on her own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, so the video, the video was, was uh, reposted widely, including in to the Chinese video sharing site, Yoku, where it got three three million views and four forty thousand comments in the first ten days, mm. many of the comment the commenters found out found it unsettling to watch. Several theories involved to explain her actions. One was that Lan was trying to get in the elevator car to move in order to escape from someone pursuing her, which I doubt it. Yeah. Um, other suggestions because she just didn't look scared. Yeah. Like she didn't. She like, didn't look anything. Yeah. She just she just kind of looked spaced out. Yeah. There was uh, no urgency. Right, exactly. Um, others suggested that she might be under the influence of ecstasy or some other party drug, but 
but none was detected in her body. Mm. When her bipolar disorder became known, the theory that she was just having a psychotic episode, um, a psychotic episode also emerged. Man, that's the strongest theory. Really. Yeah. Other viewers argued that the video had been tampered with before being made public, like I just said. Yeah. Bes- besides the obscuring of the timestamp, they claimed parts had been slowed down and nearly a minute of footage had been discreetly removed. This could have been done simply to protect the identity of someone who otherwise would be in the video, sure. but had later, but had little or nothing to do with the case, or to conceal evidence of Lamb's disappearance and the death had been the result of a criminal act. Also, it's like that might be possible, but none of that explains her behavior. Right, that's the hardest part. You right. know, like you could say maybe the video was edited and they took something out, but that her behavior, they didn't make her behavior look weird through tampering with the video yeah she was she was something was off about her yeah so that can't be explained away also with this hotel hotel being shitty uh i assume they don't have any cameras in the hallways it was just in a it yeah, was just no a, they don't have they don't have the budget for the hotel, just they don't the have the budget for cameras elevator. everywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah they don't have a budget for the elevator to work nice just, just the elevator uh i just think that that's pretty that's pretty weird <clears throat> so during during the search of lamb guests at the hotel began complaining about the low water pressure later some later claimed that their water was colored black and had an unusual taste mm. why would you why drink would you, it exactly why would you, why are you drinking hotel well water? also i think that the standards <laughs> at the seesaw are pretty low that the people are sta- that are standing standing there are like i've had worse water than this Ugh. It's my assumption. I don't know. You know <laughs> it's long. Ugh. It's long past the days of this being a business hotel. Yeah, they don't this have bottled like water. Skeevy, you just like this is skeevy, strange. You know, people who are renting these rooms, doing God knows what. Yeah, a little black water is the least of their worries. Just drinking it, like they. I, I think yeah. I picture they have like say, the, hey, it's wet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I picture. Like I picture they have like the the old like plastic brown cups. Yeah, where you can't even, you don't even really, you don't even know it's black. Yeah. You just know it tastes weird. Yeah. That's how people in Florida are. Y'all go down to Florida, they're like, you, why are you, you know, we don't have any bottled water. Just drink from the sink. I'm like, I'm not drinking this. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Drinking the swamp water? (laughs) (laughs) So I can end up like everybody else in Florida? It's clearly something in the water that's making y'all do this shit that y'all do. I'm not drinking your Florida water. Y'all be wilding down there. So on the morning of February 19th, Lance's body was found in... One of four a thousand one thousand gallon tanks providing water to guest rooms, a kitchen, and a coffee shop. The tank was drained and cut open since its maintenance hatch was too small to accommodate equipment needed to remove Lamb's body. Mm. On February twenty first, the Los Angeles coroner's office issued a finding of accidental drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor. The full coroner's report released in June stated that Lan's body had been found naked. Clothing similar to that she was wearing in the elevator video was floating in the water, coated with a sand-like, um, with sand-like particles. Um, her watch and room key were also found with her. Lan's body was moderately decomposed and bloated. It was mostly greenish with some mar- marbling evident on the, ab- the abdomen and skin separation evident. There are no evidence of physical trauma and sexual assault or suicide. Toxic, toxicology There's no evidence tests, of suicide? None. None. Like they call it accidental, accidental drowning. Yeah. That's what they call it. Yeah. 
So toxicology tests incomplete because not enough of her blood was preserved. Showed traces consistent with prescription medication found among her belongings, plus non-prescription um, drugs such as Suntab sun, sun, oh, and um, ibuprofen. That's just aspirin. Exactly. So Sinitab could be an allergy medicine for all yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so a very small quantity of alcohol, which is 0.02%, was present, but not other recreational that's drugs. A, that's a... That's a that's a casual drink. That's not even. It's this is such a weird case. Yeah, like, yeah it's, it could I, been... I know this case, and then you, I forgot that element. Yeah. So it, it's just so you. All, that's one of those places in a building that you have to know. Yeah. That it's there. You know what I mean? Like the tank, the water tank on the roof, and the opening on the top of the tank. Well, yeah. it, it, that that part comes up. Okay. I'm glad you bring okay. that. That's coming up in a little bit. So investigation had determined how Lamb died, but did not offer an explanation to explanation as to how she got into the tank in the first place. Doors and stairs that access the hotel's roof are locked. Yeah. With only staffs having a passcode and keys, and any attempt to force them would supposedly have triggered an alarm. Now this hotel is shitty. Yeah. The lawns probably don't work. There anymore. you go. Um. However, the hotel's fire escape could have only have allowed her to bypass those security measures which i feel like she she wouldn't she wouldn't, wouldn't know, know that, that. yeah <laughs> um especially just as a guest there she yeah. wouldn't know that um so yeah so yeah the fire escape could only allow her to bypass those security measures if she if she or someone who might have accompanied her there had known a video made by a chinese user after lamb's death posted the internet showed that the hotel's roof was easily accessible via the fire escape and that two of the lids of the water tanks were open. Why is it open? Maybe You know what? You know why it's probably <laughs> why? open? Because it's a shitty hotel. Oh, it, never, it never rains in California. I was going to say they just let them fill up with rainwater. Ugh. But I mean, it rains. It has to rain sometimes. sometimes yeah. <laughs> so maybe I think that might be what it is. And that would explain why the water's so nasty. Yeah. If they are catching rainwater yeah. to fill up their tanks to save on water or something like that, you know, so just leave them open. Or maybe it was but like. That's so gross. That's stagnant water. It's like malaria. Yeah, but like maybe it wasn't her body that the water was tasting bad. Maybe it was just that. This nasty water. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like something's wrong with the water. Then they Let's go and go check, check the and then find her body. In. Yes. So somebody put out a video of them going to the hotel and just walking straight up to the roof. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So then <laughs> like, look how easy it is to get here. It's a shitty hotel. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a shitty um, hotel. And, and the lids are always open. Yeah. Um, on these tanks. Um, so apart from the question of how she got on the roof, others asked if she could have gotten into the tank by herself. All four tanks are four by eight foot. Um, That's not very tall. Yeah, cylinders propped up on the concrete blocks. There is no fixed access to them, and the hotel workers had to use a ladder. That they look. brought. Like they, they bring their own ladder. Yeah. Um, use a ladder to look at the water. That's weird. So you have to use a ladder to get up in this. Not only a lot, but like you have to bring a ladder because there's no ladder attached to the thing. Yeah. Okay. So but four by eight foot is not that high. It's not. It's not. But it also is sitting on concrete, concrete blocks. So again, it's something I I'd, I'd have to see because yeah, yeah. something could not be that tall, but you got. Where's the surface? What's the surface area like? Like, can you grip it? Can you grip something? Can you grip and it and pull yourself up? You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, It's weird. It's a weird one. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so they had, the workers to access the water had these ladder to get up there. Right. They are they are protected by heavy lids that will be difficult to replace from within. Well, those are always always open though. Yeah. So um so police dogs that searched through the hotel for Lamb even on the roof shortly after her disappearance was noted did not find any trace of her, although they had not searched the area near the water tanks. They need new dogs. Yeah. They need some new dogs. Yeah. She was definitely, that's where they she found her, yeah. is on the roof. And the dogs are like, nah, man, she Ain't wasn't nothing. up here. And they checked the room and then. Yeah. So it's like, uh, how can you not put two and two together? Like, oh, this is something. Yeah. They might have brought like the bomb sniffing dog. <laughs> you got to bring the cadaver dog. Yeah. That's, they sniffing that's, for the wrong thing. The room I could make an excuse for. Maybe they turned the sheets down or something. But when you go to the scene of the death, yeah, and the dogs are like, "Nah, nothing happened here." It's like this. You need to retire this dog. They said the dogs were fair. They ain't. They didn't set them up right. Yeah, they nah. didn't. They didn't be like, "Hey, man, we not going to. We not searching for bombs." Yeah, they, yeah. They, body this is not. This isn't my job. Yeah, y'all need to go get Buster. Yeah, I am. I am a <laughs> drug sniffing dog. Yeah, right. Uh, so theories about Lance's behavior in the elevated di- video did not stop with her death. Some argued that she was attempting to hide from a pursuer, um, perhaps someone ultimately responsible for her death. I don't think so. Uh, yeah. So but like, other, like yeah. she runs from this person, runs up to the roof, and then goes and hides in a water tank, as opposed to running downstairs and leaving the hotel? Yeah. Yeah. That's just, Especially if it's if you're going through a stairway. You go, why don't you go down. downstairs? Yeah. yeah. While others said she was merely frustrated with the elevator's apparent malfunction. I it just didn't look that way. Yeah, right. I know what frustration yeah. looks like. It's like it just like she was playing this game with some invisible person. Yeah. Um. So someone that some, really is the best way to describe it. it really, right. I mean, as creepy as that is, that's what it. It didn't look like she was going, come on, close, and then looking out at a clock or something like. I yeah. need to be somewhere. It looked. It looked playful and like right, there was exactly. no. There was no rush or anything. You yeah. know. So. And it, it. I feel like if somebody was chasing her, if you go to look. You heard me get back and you bang on the buttons. Yeah, exactly. That would have, have been different. Exactly. I'm like, oh, somebody, there was no, somebody's there was no following. urgency like that. Yeah. Some proponents of the theory that she was under the influence of illicit drugs are not dis, um, dissuaded by their absence from the toxicology screen, suggesting that they might have broken down during the period of time her body mm, was her body so decomposed cool. in the tank mm. and that she might have taken uh, rare cocktails of such drugs that a normal screen would not detect. Yeah, because she's on like four different types of medication herself. Yeah, that might something illicit like a like a cocaine yeah. or a yeah. or something like that could be masked by all that stuff. But the water thing, I'd have to I'd have to hear like a precedence about that. Like I don't know if if you're drunk, super drunk, if you drown, will you not be as drunk? Because when you say point zero two, right? Yeah, maybe it was higher, but she was soaking in a tank and that. All that water getting into her system could have, you know, you know, messed up, diluted her blood alcohol level. But also, she could have been drunk as hell. Yeah. So, what about the also with the medication she was taking? What if she had like a glass of alcohol? Would that? Mm. Yeah. Mess no. With you, the, that, you know, the mix, medication that you happens. Know, it's like I guess it all depends on how your body reacts to things. Exactly. But and for this case, it was like she probably didn't know because she never had this been in this situation before where she was like, well. Let me just get a drink. Yeah. Probably forgot she took that medication earlier that day and it just. That makes more sense to me than she was being chased by somebody because it just doesn't look that way. 
But then at the same time, when you hear, you know, on that Unsolved Mystery episode, right out of the gates, that mm-hmm. that that guy that died here in Maryland in Baltimore, it's that I'm I'm hearing elements of that as well in this story. This mysterious death doesn't really make a lot of. I mean that that guy's story is way crazier than oh, this. Oh yeah, but he was caught up in some stuff. That was yeah. I feel like somebody was after him. But I'm saying. There's as much evidence that somebody yeah. was chasing him yeah. as there was somebody was chasing her. So it's yeah, possible. True. So I don't want to sit up here and just say, yeah, man, she got drunk and, you but know, the evidence, pills. But it, yeah, the evidence, evidence leads, is no evidence. And, and the evidence that is there <laughs> leads lends itself to her having some kind of state or breakdown and yeah. doing something crazy. Yeah. You know, um, but it Accidental drowning. I don't. It's just. It's just. It's just too weird, man. I don't know. It's a very weird story, man. Yeah. So the autopsy, the autopsy report, um, and its conclusion have been have also been questioned. For instance, it does not say that it does not say what the results of the rape kit and fingernail kit were, or even if it was processed. It also records, um. Uh, pooling of the blood in Lamb's anal area, oh, uh, what else? which some observers suggested as a sign of sexual abuse. However, one um, pathologist has noted it could have also resulted from bloating in the course of the body's decomposition. Decom- decomposition, I'm sorry, decomposition, and her rectum was also prolapsed. Oh, yeah. Even the coroner's pathologist appeared to be ambivalent about their conclusion that Lamb's death was accidental. Since her death, her Tumblr blog was updated, presumably through Tumblr's Q option, which allows posts to automatically publish themselves when the user is away. Her phone was not found either with her body or in her hotel room. It has been assumed to have been stolen and sometime, sometime around her death. Nobody knows where mm. her, her phone her That's phone fishy. Is. Yeah. 2013, I don't know. What? What phone? What phone? What probably phone? Or if, oh, iPhone or if is the, out. Yeah, or if, the, like, if they had like that GPS thing where they can just track where last time it was and stuff well, like that. Well, I famously, before our trip to Jamaica, the night before, lost my iPhone in the bread aisle of a Giants grocery store. Um, I didn't have to find my phone on that phone. <laughs> And it's just it was just gone forever. Yeah. So it somebody could have stole it, but it could have been left somewhere, and then somebody just came up on a phone. Wait, what phone was that? iPhone, first oh, iPhone okay. I had. Oh, right. <sighs> you lost a lot of phones. Yeah, I lost a lot of phones, man. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my first Boost Mobile phone. Yeah. Never even got to chirp somebody. <laughs> never even, never even got to chirp somebody, man. What about the black? The, was it the BlackBerry or the Blackjack? Blackjack. Blackjack. Nah. Yeah, I think I lost that too. <laughs> yeah, I lost the blackjack. I think I lost the blackjack, and then you gave me an old sidekick. Yeah, and I uh, rode with that for a while, and then I got that iPhone. <laughs> yeah, and I lost that iPhone. Yeah, wow, man. But that iPhone was the last phone I lost. <laughs> yeah, you, you ran through some phones. Yeah, man. I ran. Oh, I ran through several phones. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, so a phone was not found with her body or in her. T- her hotel room. It has been assumed to have been stolen at this time around the time of her death. Whether the continued update to her blog was facilitated by the theft of her phone, the work of a hacker or through the queue is not known. Oh, so there was a post after she was supposed up, up, 
you know, uh, supposed to be dead. Well, it was saying that through Tumblr's queue option, which allows posts to automatically publish themselves right, on right. The, while the user is away. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not, I'm so not too familiar with that. Like you can go, I want this to publish tomorrow. Yeah. I'm um, not, I, I was, I was more of an observer on Tumblr. So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm saying, I don't know how that stuff works. I don't yeah. know if you, I didn't know you can make a post and then like, oh, I want it to do tomorrow. Yeah. I didn't know you can do that. Um, so that's, that's new to me. Um, but they don't know if it was the Q that did that or, or somebody did it. Somebody stole the phone. I would probably did say it. it was the Q. I would think because so that too. just adds another weird element of of like why would somebody who is involved in this to go to Tumblr. post on her Tumblr? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in September, Lamb's parents filed a wrongful death suit, claiming that the hotel failed to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Lamb and other hotel guests. I would have been like, uh, look at you know what look hotel at, we yeah, had? I'd been like, look, <laughs> look at the hotel. Look at our shitty hotel. I'm like, this is the Cecil. Yeah, you need to. If that's how you say it, you need to look it up. <laughs> Cecil just sounds bad. Yeah, but look, you need, look us up, you lady. Need to look it up. You're, you're, yeah, you know what else was wrongful? That she stayed here. She yeah. shouldn't have stayed here. We suck. Yeah. We don't know why. She, have you seen our Yelp? Our have you Yelp? seen Have you seen the block down the street? <laughs> we are in the middle of Skid Row. Yeah. So in other hotels, guessing seeking unspecified damages and burial costs, the hotel argued it could not have reasonably foreseen that land might have entered the water tanks and that and that since it remained unknown how land got in the water tank, no liability could assign for failing to prevent that. In 2015, the suit was dismissed. Mm. Um, if they if, if it would have been just five years later, she would have had a bunch of money to go find me. Yeah. Because this case was just so shocking. Yeah. She had a million dollars in a GoFundMe and, and instantly. Not that that makes anything better, but that their case got dismissed. That sucks, you know, because th- there's no restitution to be had. But now people get restitution instantly these days. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's pretty miraculous. Yeah. So throughout after this bizarre story came out, excuse me, a lot of people was doing movies and skits and shows off of this incident that happened with her. Oh, yeah? So it says, uh, the circumstances of Lamb's death have been compared to plot elements in the 2005 horror film Dark Water, um, which is an American remake of an earlier Japanese film. Is Jennifer Connelly in that movie? I don't know. Dark Water. It's a white lady on the cover. I don't know who that is. White lady. If this is Jennifer Connelly... (laughs) You just are so disrespectful to people who work so hard. And yes, it is Jennifer Connelly. Oh, okay, yes. she's she's not legendary, but she's been around for a long time. All right, now how am I supposed to know who she is? Um, so uh, another ABC series, How to Get Away with Murder, had a similar storyline. Really? Yes. I don't remember that storyline on How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. Um, Somebody drowning in a tank. Oh no, I do. Yes. Oh, one of the 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 husband's mistress. Yeah, I got it, got it, got it. It's about a maintenance worker. Spoiler alert. Water pressure or something like that? Water pressure issues or something? It says, over a series of flashbacks spread out across the first season, which began airing in 2014, Mm -hmm. it revealed that a sorority girl missing at the start of the season Mm -hmm. was murdered by her body. Was murdered and her body was hidden in a water tank Mm -hmm. on the roof of his uh, sorority house. Yeah. Um, A little inside baseball, we did Gacy on our new Serial and Serial, the guy who plays Tom is in how to get away with murder and there was they made it look like he had hid the body in the water tank. Mm. Her uh Annalise is from How to Get Away with Murder, her little assistant. Okay. That's who the guy from Gacy plays. 
and they made it look like he hid the body in the in the water tank. Spoiler alert for how to get away with murder. Wow. But uh, uh, yeah, I didn't even know that was based on this. Yeah. Um, in Hong Kong, from which Liam's family had emigrated to Vancouver, filmmakers were also inspired by the case. Um, Nick Chewing, a accomplished actor in Hong Kong films, made his directorial debut in 2014 with Hungry Ghost uh, Ritual, which is a horror thriller. Um, they used that scene from her being in the elevator. I can't do Asian security camera. Asian horror, man. They, they it's they different. Do it diff- it? Oh, it's they different. Do it, they do it yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, it's man. different. They do it different. It's no, like, it's thank like, you. It's like, too, it's like too creepy. They're really good at creepy. Yeah. Like the long hair over the face. All that stuff from like the ring and any kind of movie, the, you know, um, Insidious, those movies that are known as American films, they steal so much from like Korean films and, and Chinese horror films. Those, those movies are so creepy. But Train to Busan, phenomenal film. <laughs> Phenomenal horror film. It's great. You would okay. love it, friend. It's a zombie movie, but it's a whole different take on zombies. Is it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in 2014, two brothers sold a horror script based on the backstory of this incident. Yeah. And the parents, their parents didn't like that at all. It was too. It was too close. It was too close to yeah, one of those. Yeah. Um. And in 2014, the media speculated that the fifth season, fifth season of American Horror Story, was inspired by Lamb's death. The fifth season. Yeah. I think I checked out by then. Yeah. I checked out like after like the first episode. I was like, oh, I cannot I can't watch it. It was too this much? Shit. I yeah. It was it the gimp, was it the gimp, was was it like, the gimp man? The dude in the leather suit? No, it was it was it had to be something you saw. It was the beginning. It was like the lady was like old but young. I was like, mm. nah, I'm good. The first two seasons were good. No, thank you. You gotta watch you gotta watch the nah, second season, man. man. I was like, is she young? I was like, this is nah. that creeped you out. It's like, cause she was old and then young. Yeah, that I was, was like, too much for you. Yeah, man. Okay, well then you wouldn't be able to handle the show. Nah. It gets way worse. And then like, I, I'll peek in with stuff watching. I was like, oh, there's no way. Yeah, yeah, that show, that show can get dark. But I checked checked out no. long before season five. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm not waiting on that. But that is the story of Elisa Lamb, the death of a Elisa Lamb. Very sad. Um, Very sad. But so like, I think man. we agree that she was just having some type of episode. Definitely. I mean, if the I tank bar, I'm not sure, but the elevator video footage is like, she's definitely having an episode. Yeah. Um. I mean, if you were forcing me to give a uh, uh, my theory or like my choice on theories, it would probably lend towards her mental illness getting yeah. the best of her in yeah. a moment, or her medication being imbalanced or something. It just that's just way more plausible than she actually was playing hide and seek with a real person yeah. because it wasn't, she wasn't running from somebody. It yeah. looked like a game or now think about it, by this being a, the Cecil hotel, the, some type of security guy or something like that may have something to do with the death that's going on in the hotel. Maybe saw her on the camera look vulnerable I don't know, man. You they should like they should go like check that guy out. He probably probably dead now. But I, don't I don't think know. I don't think this hotel has security, but um, possible, I guess. Right? But I think they should look into whoever that guy is. Who woman? I don't know who it is, but I think you should look at that. They saw this look vulnerable and then went on, and I don't know, man. It's, it's possible, I suppose. Yeah. If, if we, but it's probably more likely that it was the the illness and the drugs, right? I mean, yeah, man. Uh, that's tragic. I mean, say right? somebody should, but for her to get into that tank, I don't, I don't know. 
it's it's weird, man. It's yeah. weird. No matter how much of a mania, you know, like there's that scene from Juno where you know uh, she goes, "Yeah, man, I heard some girl took all her meds one time and she took off all her clothes and jumped into the the fountain at the Steamtown Mall." And then the, the Asian girl goes, "I heard that was you." And then she's like, "All right, well, good talking to you, Sujin." Uh, so, so you know, that was a, that was a funny scene, but you know, there's all these stigmas and, and and scenarios that people have you hear secondhand of, oh yeah, this guy was or this lady or whoever was going crazy at the at the downtown or whatever. It looked like she was off her meds. Like that's the thing, the statement to be made. So, you know, we kind of are programmed to believe when you're off your meds, you do crazy things. So I'm not trying to stigmatize her illness, but it just seems to be the most plausible thing to happen. Yeah, but with the pictures of the the tanks, hmm. Now you got four tanks. Uh huh. It there's like these aluminum. I guess it's like copper p- pipes or whatever poles that go that run from those. Sure. I guess it's a way you can you can pull grab yourself one of those up and on pull that. yourself up. Sure. That's that's a possibility. Maybe she got it that way or. A lot of stuff. There's another like building structure next to it where maybe you can get on that and then go higher than the off. tanks. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, man. But I feel like if somebody else that's that'd go up there and be like, that that can just go and look and be like, Yeah, maybe you can you probably can can you get yeah, to this? Smart smarter people yeah. than us probably <laughs> have been up there and either refuted it or said like that's how that's likely to be the thing that she did. Yeah. You know, so then you get you know people that detectives that first get there and they go, no, that they got that tunnel vision where like they yeah. whatever they see this this happened yeah, and then they get somebody else up there that's even like well maybe they probably they probably could have just hopped up on that and <laughs> yeah it's like <laughs> no that's mm, not that's no, not no that's not no, but she did watch um she brought her own trampoline yeah I love those Sherlock Holmes is is good for that <laughs> Sherlock on Netflix he'll come in somebody will think it was with he'll go no it was a feather you're like whoa what. <laughs> Yeah, and then he, you see his vision, his intuition. He's like, yeah, um, she stepped on a nickel and she fell out the window. You're like, that's impossible, man. <laughs> then he uses his deduction and he figures it out. And then everybody's like, you're a genius, Sherlock Holmes. And then the show ends and the credits roll. That sounds like The Good Doctor. I've never watched that show, man. Is that a good show? Yeah, that's the guy from, uh, what's his name, right? Yeah, Freddie Highmore. Yeah. Uh, um, Bates Motel, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that show. It's, so it's not offensive, could be. Depends on the way you look at it. Like, because he's playing an autistic person, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not like go, having, like, he's not like, spazzing out or anything, right? He does. He does spaz out sometimes. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've heard good things about it. I like it. See, I like atypical, and that kid plays, he he, he plays an autistic kid as well, and yeah. he has freakouts and all those kind of things. And I like the show, so I don't see why I wouldn't want, yeah. like Good Doctor. It's like ER mixed with atypical. Yeah. You know uh, what else, what other movie he was in? I had no movies that he was in. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. No. <laughs> He's Charlie. He's Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that what turned you on to the good doctor? No, it just reminded me. A fun fact? Yeah. Is that movie in your top five now? I mean. No, but Johnny Depp is. <laughs> I, re- I, I spoke about this. Have you readdressed your top five? I mean, you weren't able to g- give me the top three last week when you said now Johnny Depp is in it. All my, all, other than him, all of them are black. Okay, cool. That, yeah, all of them are black. And then my sixth man probably Leonardo. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't go wrong. <laughs> but all the other ones, you know, Denzel yeah, but, yeah. and Will Smith. Yeah. I don't need to get into it, but yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. Johnny Depp, Leonardo, yeah. two, two, the great Titanic. White, yeah, the Great White Hopes. Great. Titanic. Yeah, that's the one you go to for Leo. 
No, I go to uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. All right. Classic. <laughs> Titanic. All right. Well, hey, it's a great film, man. Titanic, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when it's my turn, well, before we go, rest in peace to Miss Lamb. Yes. Uh, you know, and, and you know, hopefully yes. her, her for, hopefully that the case was solved and they got it right and her spirit is at rest. And if not, hopefully things will come to light and she will get the peace that she deserves. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Friend, my affirmative murder this week. I know we all have heard of the Central Park Five, mm-hmm. but before the Central Park Five, at, at least a decade and a half before the Central Park Five, there was the Ford Heights Four. So okay. this week, my affirmative murder is the story of the Ford Heights Four. Mm. Okay. So on May 11th, 1978, 26-year-old Larry Lionberg, a clerk at a Southside Chicago gas station, and his fiance, 23-year-old Carol Schmall, had been kidnapped from the from a gas station at about 10:30 p.m. The yogurt she bought him left half eaten on the counter. Their bodies were found the next day in Ford Heights, a poor, predominantly black neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. Carol's body lied on lie on the floor of an abandoned townhouse. Larry's body was found in a creek bed about 100 yards behind the house. Mm. Within hours of the discovery, the Ford Heights Police Department and the Cook County Sheriff's Police Officer, a police office, picked up four black teenagers, walking them before television cameras, promising Chicago that the people who killed Larry and Carol were behind bars. This was the they like like they solved the case immediately. Mm. The four people they picked up, they they dragged them out in front of cameras. So that already like fucks up your entire jury pool. Yeah. Because it's like these are the people who did it. We 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 caught them. Yeah. So good luck finding a, an unbiased juror. But anyway, so they said we we they dragged them in front of camera and said these the 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 people who killed these two nice white people are behind bars. Uh, according to court records, the reason for their arrest was that they were found fa- they they were from the neighborhood and had visited the crime scene. But four days after the teen's arrest, police said they had found an eyewitness and had taken her before a grand jury. Within a year, the suspects, Dennis Williams, Kenny Adams, Verniel Jimerson, and Willie Range, were tried and convicted. Good kids by all accounts, from a rough part of town, they were loved by their family and friends. Only one of them, Williams, uh, uh, Dennis Williams, had a juvenile record for setting a motorcycle on fire uh, years before this incident. That's it? That's, that's it. That's it, but it came out. You know, it's like, this guy's a menace. He's burning bikes. And, oh, they always do that shit. Yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> but but it's just, I wanted to make sure that I put that in there because this is nothing new. Yeah. These tactics are as old as time. Like yeah. these, these are not new tactics. Because it, it makes people go, oh. Well, he deserved well, it. He yeah, deserved of course, it. he deserved it. Definitely he raped and murdered somebody and, and, and killed another person. He, burnt, he, lit a, he lit a bike on fire. Yeah. Um, the eyewitness in the heart of the case of the state's case, Paula Gray was 17 at the time of the slangs and suffered from mild mental retardation with an IQ of around 65. She ended up confessing almost 30 years later that her testimony was a lie. She had made up the whole story. She said she had lied because the police told her that if she didn't say what they wanted her to say, she would go to jail for the rest of her life. Mm. They kept her in a hotel room for three days after the crime, according to Gray. 
Uh, they cut her off from her family and community, so she had nobody to advocate for her. She had no lawyer. They just isolated her and just kept telling her the story and, you know, those details that the public won't know. Yeah. So that now she knows them, and they're like, say it, say it, tell us what happened. So she had on a gray dress, right? That kind of thing. And she's like, okay, the dress, the, the dress was gray, and it had flowers on it. So now she's saying something that only a person who was there at the crime scene would know, even though they fed it to her. Yeah. Um, the police took her to the scene of the crime, uh, oh, took her to the uh, scene to where, where the man's body was found and told her how he had been shot. The police, uh, told her details of the crime until she repeated them and then brought her before the grand jury to say them again. Then they let her go home. So they got her, they got her, um, her eyewitness testimony on record mm -hmm. before they even got to trial for the boys. Yeah. So they already got it, you know, in the files, you know, before, so they're already setting up, it's a slam dunk. Prosecutors are trying to get a win. So we got the eyewitness, boom, boom, boom. Here's uh, your honor. Here's her uh, testimony, eyewitness testimony. So it's in the record. So when we get to trial for each one of these individual cases, we already got the eyewitness who saw each one. Mm. So they already got that going against them before they even go to trial. Uh, by the time the defendants were on trial, she understood the gravity of their situation. She refused to testify against them. This is this is the craziest part because keep in mind she already has testified to what they told her to say against these four boys. Yeah. Right. So time has now passed. It's been a, it's been a few months now. The the trials are starting for these boys, and now she realizes like, oh my god, they're fighting for their life, and I I didn't see them do anything. This isn't true. I'm not going on this. I'm not taking the stand. I'm not going to go testify in person. Yeah. They already got me to do this one thing. I'm not going to further condemn these boys. So she refuses to go before uh, she refuses to go on to, on to um, the stand and, and um, do her testimony again. The jury convicts the four defendants. Then prosecutors tried and convicted Gray for perjury as well as 50 years for the murder somehow. What? Because basically they said she's an eyewitness. So she's an accessory to the murder. So she gets the same 50 years that they all get. Because she was there. That's fucked up. But they know she they, wasn't there. Yeah. But see, this is the thing. They cheated to win. And now, as a prosecutor, you can't go back. It's like, now you oh, cheated. Either, yeah. Because if you if you expose your cheat, then the whole case gets thrown out. Yeah. And you, I don't, I don't think they, I don't think they really get in trouble. I don't know if you lose your job. But if you expose that, oh, well, she wasn't there. So yeah. we don't need the prosecutor. If it's like, no, she's, she's an eyewitness. And now we're prosecuting her for perjury, but she was there, according to her to her um, testimony. That's crazy, man. So she got fifty years plus a concurrent ten year sentence for perjury. Wow. Uh, she spent eight years, and and I feel bad for this one because keep in mind she has she has some mental issues and things like that, and this is a hell of a ringer to go through. And now the ringer gets even more crazy because she spent eight years in prison, but was released. Uh, after uh, after after Range and Williams, but not Adams, won new trials in 1982 based on ineffective assistance from their counsel. Gray, after eight years in prison, then agreed to testify against them and Jemerson in exchange for her release from prison. Jemerson was then charged, convicted, and sentenced to death. So they broke this woman Man. in prison. She did eight years in prison, and finally they came back to her, and they they go. Well, uh, three of the four guys got retrials 
are you sure you don't want to testify? Are you sure you want to be misrighteous? And, you know, instead, and she's like, oh, whatever you want me to say, I'll, just let me out, please. Yeah, bring it out, yeah. So she did eight years, and then she went on the stand and testified against them, and they let her out. What about you? What would you do from the beginning? What's this, from the beginning? Yeah. If I'm me, if I'm me, yeah. I'm calling for a lawyer immediately. But let's say I'm 17 and I don't know. If I end up in the situation and then I've already perjured myself, um, hopefully I have the uh, proper counsel. And if they tell me, hey, man, you already you already uh, testified against them. So if you if you don't get on the stand during the trial, you're committing perjury and you're going to go to prison. It's like, OK, well, I already testified against them. So I'm going to go ahead and get on the stand. You know what I mean? It's like I already That's fucked bullshit, them. Man. It's like it's, I already fucked them. So now all I'm doing is fucking myself. You know what I mean? That's what I, but it's like at, at at that age, it's like you don't know whatever you're saying is going to go against you. And you just, you just, they yeah. throwing shit at you. you whatever just, to get me out of this room. You get scared. So you just saying whatever comes to you. Like, it's like, I need to get out of this or whatever. I just need to say something to get on their good side. Yeah. To make all this go. And it's like, and little do you, you know, fuck up. And little do you know, in her, in her case, and in a lot of cases, they tell you all this stuff about just say this and you can go. And then they build the whole case around you. And this woman, Paula's case is it's like, oh, well, we need you to come back in six months and get on a stand in front of all these people's family and yeah. them and you're lying to them. You don't just get to go home. Sorry, we lied about that. We misinformed you. You don't get to just sign this piece of paper and then it's over with. We need you to come back because you're our star witness. That's fucking terrifying, man. Yeah, man. But like I said, at that point, she had already testified against them. They were going to use that uh, that grand jury testimony from before the trial. To fuck the to fuck the four boys. Yeah. So her not testifying only put her in jail. Yeah. They were gonna go to jail anyway, just based off of her written testimony or her her pretrial testimony. So it, at that point, you might as well just go ahead and save yourself because you already fucked them. Yeah. But again, she has her own mental issues. I don't even know if she's aware of any of this. You know. So it's a tough spot to be in. Verniel Jemerson was the only one of the four that was convicted, sentenced to death. Everybody else got 50 years. Uh, some years later, in January of 96, three female students, including Laura Sullivan, who is now an award-winning investigative correspondent for, the, for NPR, uh, were working under Professor David Protus of the Northwestern University School of Journalism, and they were investigating the case. So as, you know, as a group of journalists... Uh, in a in a class run by this professor, mm. they picked a case to investigate. Yeah, it could have been any case. Yeah, but they ended up picking this so. case and dove into it. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, these women were not on were not only visited these women not only visited Paula and got her to admit on record to lying under oath, uh, or lying under du under duress from the officers, but they also delivered her a soul freeing message. Williams and Adams had told the, the women when they visited them in prison to tell Paula that they didn't blame her, that she was a victim too, which brought Paula to tears. Mm. Uh, however, more pressing of a matter was the realization that Dennis Williams, Dennis Williams' execution date was, set, uh, was to be set within six months, which meant that he'd probably be executed in, in less than a year. So um, I misspoke at a point because... There was a guy that I said, um, so uh, I want to make sure I say everybody's name right. Um, so Kenny Adams and uh, and Willie Range got retrials. Mm. But Dennis Williams was sentenced to death out of the gates. 
so he didn't get a retrial. And then uh, Verniel Jimerson also got a retrial when Willie Range and Kenny Adams got retrials. But when she testified again, uh, Verniel Jimerson got sentenced to death. Sentenced to death then. So he didn't get sentenced to death from the jump. He didn't get sentenced to he death from the jump. Like, okay. Or maybe he did, but three of them got to get retrials. Yeah. But Dennis Williams. Was he was sentenced to death from out of the gate, and he, so he didn't get a retrial. So he was the only one that got sentenced to death from from, from out the of the gate. Got you. Three of them got retrials though. But two Jimerson. of them, two of them got fifty years, and then Verniel Jimerson got sentenced to death. Yeah, all off of Paula's uh, new testimony mm. after she served eight years in jail. Wow. So that's the double insult. It's like you, we already had all these issues with Paula. Now Paula comes back around when I get my retrial, and now I got death. Mm. I got the death penalty. So I'm he sick. he didn't he didn't send her a forgiving uh thing but he he might but the, that wasn't in the, in the story that I read it was only from Willie Range yeah. So he was originally going to get 50 years I believe so And oh, okay damn But then it's like I go to get a retrial I'm trying to beat the 50 It, it, it should be like it, worse. Should, it shouldn't be able, that shouldn't be able to happen My lawyer should be like it could get it it can only get worse and then I'll go okay well then don't retrial Yeah fuck it It's like it, we can get some time knocked off and that's good, but if it's like no, it's not worth the worse. fight. It's yeah. not worth the fight. They could give you death, the death penalty. It's like all right, well, that's the word. I'm like no, yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'll go back to my cell. But again, when you're innocent, man, I couldn't imagine be sitting in prison, and I'm innocent. You know, because yeah. then it's like fuck it, man. I mean, I whatever the it's a long shot. I got to take it, man, because I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't do this. I'll be going on. I'm like, can y'all look at my record? Cause I have it's clean. I only burned a bike, <laughs> and that was at a party. It was Fourth of July, you know. So, you know, so you know, it's some funny stories yeah, behind funny, that, yeah. you know. Mm, I can't even just sitting. Oh. That 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 weigh you down, man. Oh, for sure, man. It will break most people. Yeah, it's people that that know they did something wrong. That prison break. I couldn't imagine. Break, I know how quick it'll break me if I know I'm not supposed to be in here. Yeah. First butt ass shower. I'm broke. <laughs> I'm like, I can't but be- I can't believe then you gotta hold back, you gotta splash water on your face because you don't want to see me crying. Yeah, I'm not taking a shower. You just gonna not be yeah. that's the strategy. I'm all man though. I'm not a, I'm not concerned about having my manhood taken in prison for me to have to use strategies like that. I think I can hold my own. I've watched enough prison shows, I know you get in there. And prison you, show, prison show, a prison show. Yeah, not so like you, a TV you, show. I mean, like, like, like documentary, oh, about like say. documentary shows. Oh, I'm about to say you can't be chump. You can't show no chump. Somebody come try to take your lunch, take your commissary, hit them in the mouth immediately. <laughs> Even if you lose the fight, they know that you're not the one to steal on. Yeah, because if you just go, yeah, man, go ahead, take my honey buns. Then they're gonna be taking your honey buns every day until you get out of prison. And if you yeah. do 50 years, that's that's eternity. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to go. All right. Well, I'm just going to have to take this. What if you got two? If you got, hey man, you two honey buns? buns? Yeah, that's not how they're going to tell it. When they walk out, man, I had two. Nah, they walk out, man. This bitch ass. I walked in there. I said, "Yo, give me the honey bun." He gave it to me. Looked all sweet in the face. I started to slap him, but I said, "Never mind." And I just walked out. He's yeah. a bitch. And now you got the green light. Everybody's like, "Oh, he's a bitch." Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we're taking all his shit. Yeah. Even if you were just like. Yeah, man, I'm actually kind of full. Yeah, you can have it. It's like when he walk, <laughs> be all friendly. Yeah, when he walk, <laughs> when that dude walks out of that cell now, because he needs to get his points. Yeah, it's like man, I went in there straight chumped him, man. Fucking yeah. smacked him in his mouth. I said, look, bitch, give me the honey bun now, and he just gave it to me. Yeah. Started crying. Is that hold the pocket thing? Is that a real thing in jail? According to the, um, have you ever seen uh, <laughs> Scared Straight? 
Not scared straight the TV show. Scared straight the documentary movie. No. Oh, I send you a link. So is, is that that's a real thing? Because it's in it, prison. It, it, it's it in was, prison break. It was in the nineteen nineties uh, document documentary that I oh, saw. Okay. He said, "Man, hold my pocket, and you better not let that shit go." I didn't know that was a. Real and then he told. Then he sold them, like because it was just an example. Yeah. So he was saying, "Hey, man, who got a cigarette?" He was talking to the other prisoners, and one of the dudes went, "Man, I got a cigarette right here." He said, "All right, cool. Let me get that. Go hold his pocket now." I can do bad all by my goddamn self. And then he put the cigarette wow. in his mouth. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and they talk to these kids like the most ruthless shit I ever heard. The, the new Beyond Scare Straight is nothing. You watch that old show, man, shut up, <laughs> slut. I mean, they talk to the girls because wow. cra- they have girls in there. I'm like, oh my God. Like, this would never be allowed on television. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. They would talk to them so crazy, threaten to fuck them in the ass and stuff. Crazy. Wow. I mean, wow. I mean, it's way over the line of stuff that wouldn't be on TV. Now on Beyond Scared Straight, they might say, like, I'm going to punch you in the face. They'd be like, on the on the Scared Straight documentary? Yeah. Oh, they talk about raping them and sodomizing these boys and everything like that and, uh, and oh, taking the shoes off of them. Oh, it's crazy. So it's, they, had, they had lightened up a little bit in, in the new ones. Yeah, they had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to. They had to. I'll show. I'll send you the links for the old documentary. I don't even think that some of that shit were. I, the ones I've no, seen. No, they, because they, 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 no, they aren't real. Work. Well, they might be real. That's why I had to stop watching them because the dudes are serious. But at a point, enough kids go and do it, and they come out and they go, they can't touch. They you. can't touch you. Yeah, so, so it's they like, it tough. Yeah, because they know they can't touch you. Yeah, you know. So that is when. It, so after like season four, you're like, these kids know. They know. They yeah. know. Like really, all you can do is get in my face, but you can't touch me. Yeah. So uh, fuck you. You know. They be threatening, fighting them back, and stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, but that first couple of seasons, when those kids were threatening to fight back. Those were real kids. <laughs> There's some kids in those first couple seasons of Beyond Scare Straight where I was like, no, nah, that kid's going to be back. Yeah. That kid's going to be an inmate here. Later on in the show, you go, ah, that kid, that is not a hard kid. Yeah. One of them, wasn't one of them? One of them, we knew somebody that was on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jessup. Jessup Correctional Facility. I forgot about Yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, is that? Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> we. We will say no names and we will move on. Uh, so, uh, so we got, we got, we got, a, we got a deadline because we got one of these four kids who is on death row and could be executed within a year of the case. Yeah. Uh, one afternoon in late January, uh, as the young investigator sifted through dozens of boxes of case files stacked in a downtown Chicago office building, they found an envelope containing three pieces of paper. They were a police officer's handwritten notes made three days after the killing of the three of the of after the killings from three officers who interviewed a man named Marvin Simpson. Simpson told the officers he knew the identities of the murderers because he was with them before the killings occurred. Mm. The notes read, quote, on Wednesday night, 10 May 78 at approximately 2030 hours, Marvin Dennis Ira, Arthur, a.k.a. Red, and Johnny were sitting around by Marvin's mother's crib. Dennis started talking about doing a score, wrote one of the officers. Simpson went on to tell the officers that Red had told him exactly what they had done, that they had raped the white broad, and Red had a knot of money in his pocket as proof. Mm. This is all Marvin Simpson written down, a confession, basically. Yeah. The four names were scratched in pen across the top of the first sheet. Uh, 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 across the top of the first sheet were Red Robinson, 
Johnny Rodriguez, Dennis Johnson, and Ira Johnson. The women knew they had to find these men. Mm. Their professor found a man named Renee Brown, who was who was familiar with the case from from work he did. Um, I'll read that again. <clears throat> Their professor found a man named Renee Brown, who was familiar with the case from work he had done on one of the convictions of the men's family in the early 1980s. Renee was the one who found Arthur Red Robinson living in a slum neighborhood on the South side, addicted to drugs, jobless, and almost illiterate. Damn. Uh, <laughs> they'd have to air him out like that. Right. Uh, Robinson had spent the last 20 years in and out of jail or living with relatives. Over the course of a few months, Laura Sullivan, Stacy Dello, and Stephanie Goldstein ingratiated themselves within the Ford Heights community, taking people to lunch and talking about all sorts of things, but namely the case. Red would even join them sometimes, but he mostly remained silent. Some people in the neighborhood told them not to try to find Rod uh, Johnny Rodriguez. They said he was very dangerous and in gangs. Mm. So they crossed him right off the list. They were like, okay, oh, well then we're just, cause these are just three white, three white women in college in a class, basically doing an investigation on a case. Yeah. Like people, women who want to be either maybe pre like lawyers or journalists. Mm -hmm. Like they, they, they don't have any authority or anything. They're just using hunches. They have no badges. So they're like, Oh, he's dangerous. No, that's too far. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're more doing like a Scooby-Doo thing. Yeah. That's crossing into some rated R stuff. It's good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it light. Yeah. Keep it to the wrong people. Yeah. But keep it the paperwork and like, you know, uh, conversations with old people and stuff like that, but I'm not going to a gang meeting yeah. to talk to a gang person. Uh, on a cold day in late February, Stacy and Laura visited Ira Johnson. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to do that because I, I skipped a paragraph. <clears throat> so they crossed Johnny Rodriguez off the list. Dennis Johnson, it turns out, was dead. He had died of a drug overdose in 1993. Most people seemed pretty glad about that. Dang. And then there was Dennis, his younger brother, Ira Johnson. The Division of Corrections reported that he was in prison just north of Illinois, of the Illinois-Missouri border. Uh, about the time they started spending afternoons in Ford Heights, Ira Johnson agreed to let them come visit him in prison. On a cold day in late February, Stacy and Laura visited Ira Johnson at the Maynard Correctional Center. For about an hour, they talked to no avail. As uh, as they packed up to leave, Stacy stopped in front of him and said, we're giving you a chance here to do one right thing in your life. Your brother would have wanted you to take it. They left they left the prison feeling defeated, believing they made no headway because during the thing he's talking to them about how bad how bad police officers are and he didn't really do whatever he's in prison for. And, you know, just. They're, they're trying to lead him into ways to get some stuff out of him, but they're not getting anything out of him. Yeah. So she made that one last attempt to try to play some mind, some mental gymnastics with him and just to see if, how it played out. But it didn't they didn't think it took and they left a couple days later. They received of they received vile letters from Ira discussing Stacy's, quote, bedroom eyes and what he would like to do to her or to Laura if Stacy wasn't available. Mm. Uh, they would have most likely dropped him entirely had it not been for the final paragraph of that letter. It said, Laura, think about getting what you've been trying to find out. For years, know them boys didn't do that shit. Mm. 
And I know this also, but I'm not going to put myself in that situation. What the fuck am I getting out of telling? But they didn't do that, but they didn't do it. So you, so you and Stacy think about what I said. It's going to take some time for me to think this shit over. Over the next few weeks, they started a correspondence with Ira. Cause that was like, Oh, I think we got them. Yeah. You know, well, at least we got them on the hook. Yeah. We can get a more, we can get something out of this. So over the next few weeks, they started a correspondence with Ira. They exchanged letters and visited him a few more times. Over the course of these communications, they learned about Ira's life. They learned that he and his brother sold drugs to Ford Heights police officers, that he and his brother shared a bond. And finally, on the second to last visit, they learned that his brother had been one of the killers. Mm. And his brother's dead. Yeah. Meanwhile, their professor in Chicago have found pro bono attorneys for the four convicted men. They began pressing their cases in at all, all at different stages of the appeals process. Public pressure from the newspaper columns and television reports using the trio's information and taped interviews was mounting. So basically when they interviewed uh, Paula Gray and Ira, um, uh, whatever his last name is, I, I lost it, but when they, all this stuff, they're journalists, so they're putting it out. Paula, Paula Gray said she didn't, she lied. And Ira says his brother was one of the killers. So then the public gets that and they're going, wait, so what about the, what about the four boys that are in prison? They didn't do it. Yeah. So now they're getting pressure on the district attorneys and, you know, mm, yeah. and, and they, they, these three women and this professor sparked a new movement to get these boys out of jail. They act, they are really are the heroes of the story. Yeah. Um, so like I said, uh, the professor went in search of three, three officers who were, uh, were there when Marvin Simpson told them what they knew from that original letter I told you about when he's saying the, the white broad and they were at the mom's yeah. crib. Uh, two of the officers refused to speak to him, but the third George Nance did now retired and still living on the South side. Nance was the only African American police officer in the department in 1978. He said he has always known that the four convicted men didn't do it, but there was nothing he could have done to save them. He said he didn't have the kind of weight with his fellow officers or his boss to, to uh, assert those kind of moves. Yeah. He remembered the Simpson interview. Well, he said that after the interview, he Capelli and Vanek, who were the two officers who didn't want to speak to these women, all agreed that the information was a serious lead. Yeah. But after turning his notes over to his superior, they were never mentioned again. He didn't know why. He said the first time anyone had asked about, he said, he said this, meaning that when these three women came to him, was the first time anyone had asked him about the case. So they so just took, just... they just took his notes and threw them in that box 20 years ago. And then 20 years later, these girls going through these boxes and found these notes where a guy's saying, yeah, I was there. These four dudes did it right after they left my house and they that were like, eh, we found four guys throwing that doesn't, we got these guys, these guys, we don't got to find them. Who's red. And that was, and that's something like I just said when I was doing my story, like these de detectives come in and they go, and we talked about this. Um, what story did you do last week? Mm. Was that the it was an instance project story about a guy, the snow. And that's um, what I mean. Like they, they, they lock in on these, yeah, this person or mm. whatever. And he goes, yeah, they did it. Yeah. And then all the focus goes, it's like, and everything, all, all the, the evidence all they the have. All the focus, and they only keep the evidence yeah. that makes this case yeah. make sense. 
and they'll That's throw crazy. any other. There's other evidence, but they'll throw that away because it, it doesn't. doesn't it it yeah. takes a, it it, it makes him not guilty, and this That's is the guy we've selected to be guilty. Got notes right there. They just, yeah, and that can be mistaken for good old fashioned um, intuition because yeah. sometimes you go go with your gut as, your, as a detective, and sometimes your gut is right. But you got to know when your gut is wrong. Yeah. Like when you're halfway into this thing, you go, these dots are not connecting. You might be, you might be wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not. Sometimes you're going, no, but I know this is the guy. And you're wrong sometimes. But you know what? A lot of times in today's age, you can't be wrong. So you got to make him, him them the guy because your career depends on it. Yeah. <clears throat> Nance took the notes while Chicago prosecutors were bringing Gray before the grand jury. If someone else had committed the crime... How would the department come forward and say that they had the wrong guys? How could they explain Gray? So basically he was saying he took notes during the whole trial and he noticed that I have this, I have this basically a confession from these guys. These guys are guilty. Yeah. But if these guys that are on trial right now are innocent, how is the prosecution going to explain how they had a woman get on the stand and say she was there and saw these four men do it? You know what I mean? Without mm-hmm. looking like they made her do it. Yeah. Because she's then she's clearly lying. So they were stuck in this lie that they had created where we got her to, to put the blame on these four boys. And if it's not them, then it's clear that we got this woman to lie on the stand. Yeah. So they just had to ride through with the with the lie. Mm. And that's what they did. Even two decades later, one of the sheriff's deputies involved in the Paula Gray interviews, a man who would speak to these women only at dawn in his office before anyone came to work, knew he had to stand by the original story. Lieutenant James Houlihan would tell these women uh, with a lot about the, about the case, but he would never talk specifically about Gray. One late day in 1996, while out at lunch in Ford Heights, Red came very close to confessing. They were out with a few of the local characters One of them was named David Campbell, a friend of Robinson's, who was also at Marvin Simpson's house the night of the crime and heard them talking about a score. For several several weeks before this lunch, he had been working Robinson, telling him that he should come clean to the women. Mm. So at this lunch, a lot of what he said, so he starts talking, and a lot of what he said didn't make any sense. He He seemed to be confusing different crimes, and he was undecided about whether drug debts were involved or whether it had been just to steal money from these people. Either way, uh, he did say that he was there and that the night when they kidnapped the people from the gas station, but he had, he had run out of the townhouse before the two were killed. Mm. So he's saying I was there, yeah. but I wasn't there when they killed people, which is yeah. like, all right, Oh, sure. You <laughs> take, you take yourself out of the biggest yeah. part of the crime. I would too. Yeah. Um, he claimed that Ira and his brother raped and shot the woman. Mm. So take a guess on what they took and what they did with that information next. They just threw it away. No, they went and went right to prison and visited Ira. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, That's right. Okay. So you're okay. Red. So you're saying Ira and his brother raped and killed this woman and shot her husband. Okay, cool. Hey Ira. So red saying this, what do you got to say to that? Boom, right? So But do but do do you think when they went to her they didn't bring up what they what they got from them yet? Say, just, so when you said they got that story from From Red. From Red. Who's out on the street. Yeah, drug but, when they, but when they went back to what's her name? Ira. Ira. They a guy. He's they, a guy. Okay, they didn't bring they didn't bring 
what they got from Red Up yet, though. You know what I mean? Well, well, no. Is see, that how you supposed to? Well, this is the thing. They're journalists. Oh, okay. so I didn't. In the next, in the next paragraph, it says um, um, that uh, a crew from the local television station and a local columnist came down the next day to interview him because they tur- they had a tape recorder on and everything when he when he's saying that it was Ira and his brother. Okay. And then that made the that made the local news. Oh, okay. So Ira already heard it or read it in a newspaper oh, that the right. Red saying. So he already knows when they show up what's what's the deal. Oh, As right. a matter of fact, when they showed up to talk to him, he was already in the visitation room ready. <laughs> he you know, so yeah. he's already there waiting. And the first question he asked when they showed up was, "What did Red say?" Yeah. This is exact this is how the conversation went just about verbatim. Uh he said, "What did Red say?" They said he told us everything. He told us that you raped and shot Carol. He looked across the table and said, "Red's lying." And then they said, geniusly, they played him really good. They said, then maybe it's time that you tell us what really happened. Ira began talking casually, saying he and his brother had met up with Johnny Rodriguez and Red Robinson late in the evening of May 10th, 1978. When they pulled into the gas station, they were planning on robbing it. Only. But his brother liked the girl, he said. So Dennis put a gun to her head and made her get in the car. And they couldn't leave the guy behind. Because they, okay, they liked the girl. Well, Dennis liked the girl. Jesus Christ, So man. take her, I guess is his logic. I don't what know. What a gun to her head, man. Yeah, that's insane. Um, with Carol in the front seat of the car and Larry in the rear of the gray Buick, they drove Ira, they, they drove. Ira said they drove around for more than an hour trying to figure out where to take the victims. Yeah. The longer they drove, the deeper involved they became. In the end, they took them to a place they knew about uh, an abandoned townhouse near the na- near their neighborhood. They forced Carol and Larry into the house, uh, Iris said, and brought Carol upstairs. Iris said they forced Larry to watch while Dennis Johnson and, and Red Robinson raped her. Dennis then shot her execution style while she was on her knees mm. and told Robinson to shoot her too. Damn. So this dude is out. He didn't. He left this part out. He said he left out of the house. Yeah. Before they killed anybody. Now Iris saying, no, he raped and shot her too. And I feel like Ira has less to lose than Red because Red's free. Yeah. So I'm gonna take his account. Ira Johnson said his brother was worried one of the four of them would tell, so he made sure everyone took part in the crime. He told Ira and Johnny Rodriguez to take Larry outside. Ira said Larry got up and started walking. He kept they broke this man, honestly. So this part is actually pretty sad when I when because Iris saying like he didn't even try to run or anything. He's like, man, you just made me watch my fiance raped in front of me, killed her in front of me. Like, I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to like whatever, man. Yeah. You know, so they walked him out into the woods. They kept on walking through the yard, um, through the field outside until they reached the creek's edge and then stopped. Larry never said a word to Ira. He never tried to run. He never fought back and he never turned around. Iris said he held up his gun and shot Larry in the back of the head. Sitting at the table, Ira was barely whispering as he's confessing to these women. Yeah. Uh, he was so quiet. And after that, after that night, he said, the four of them vowed to never speak of it again. Mm. Ira had kept that promise until this moment in 1996. And it's only because Red says Red broke the promise That's first. Crazy. So he's like, all right, well, yeah. I'm gonna, I got to defend myself. 
With the confession of Ira and Robinson and a slew of other information that their that their professor and the attorneys had compiled before the before the courts, the district attorney's office agreed to submit a swab taken from Carol for DNA testing, which was unavailable in 1978. I was about to say, why wouldn't it wasn't Damn. that it didn't exist? Which makes me wonder how many swabs are just sitting in a lab in a in a in a desk somewhere, you know, in the evidence locker that haven't been now. swabbed. Because it didn't exist, yeah. you know, all that backlog, you know, all across the country, departments all across the country backlog, you know, all kind of evidence and everything just wasting away in some locker room somewhere. Uh, two weeks before Laura, Stacy, and Stephanie graduated, they got news that the test exonerated the four convicted men. Mm. They later showed that Robinson and Dennis Johnson had raped Carol. On the day they graduated, Williams, Adams... Rain and Jimerson were all freed. The district attorney, the district attorney told them that he was sorry. That's mine. They walked, yeah. They walked out of the courtroom with little education, no money, no skills, and 18 years of their lives lost. Wow. And I actually have a clip of from a small a short documentary that kind of just is like a where are they now? Uh, three other men eventually were convicted as the real killers. And in 1999 they received what was then a record uh, legal settlement, $36 million from the county. Now, this is the Honeycomb Hideout. The man cage is the camper out there. It's called a man cage. What do you have a fear of? Going to jail. I don't want to go to jail. I come right here in my little man cage. That's why I went and bought this thing, so I have a place to come in my own little sanctuary. When I'm driving, the police get behind me, I get real nervous. That's, I guess you can call it a phobia of some type. I don't know. Dennis Williams died in 2003 from a heart attack. Kenny Adams, by his attorney's account, is doing very well. Uh, lives a very quiet life down in Flossmoor. Uh, Willie Range lives in northwest Indiana on a ranch, about 12 acres, and um, just sort of noodles around his ranch all day. Does the fact that you were in, in prison for all that time for something you didn't do, does that still weigh on you? Is that still... Sometimes. I think about it. I think about it. Yeah, I drink every day. I'm what you call a bona fide, certified legal alcoholic. You'll never see me staggering drunk, though. Mm -hmm. Never ever will you see me like that. Yeah, it'll be 62 this year. Huh? This year. Oh, okay. Oh, in August you'll be 62. This is Verneal Jimerson. He, he's um, not doing the best. He's pretty much spent his money on a variety of things, you know, some on houses and cars and some on drugs by his own account. So did you think you had it made with all that money or did you well, think that I, was going to always last or? I thought it would, but it didn't, you know. After the bills started hitting me, you know, Dr. Bill hitting me. Most of them, you know, most of, that's why most of my money went to them doctors and everything. Mm -hmm. you know, I get disability every month. How much is that? 720 yeah, I got paid bills and everything, you know. So you get $700 or so a month? Yeah. And that's all you're living on? Yeah, that's all I'm living on now. Is there anything left from your settlement or it's all no, gone? it's all gone. After I got out, you know, jail, you know, I thought you using crack cocaine and everything, you know. I mean, I'm trying to ease my mind and everything on that. What were you trying to ease your mind about? About, just ease my mind, you know. At that time, I was still here in the bars, you know, in the joint, 
clothes in my head and everything. What they all share was this experience of the anger still sort of trailing after them, that while it may recede, it doesn't disappear entirely. They still can get angry over it. They don't think about it as much, but when they do, it still angers them. Were you, when you got out, were you angry at the people, you know, the prosecutors and the police? And they all? asked me that, and I walked away from that interview. Mm -hmm. I refused to answer that. What y'all say? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Did the sun so that last guy, I mean, that guy that you hear the most, that's Willie Gaines. He's Seems like a pretty cool dude. He, you know, he bought himself some land. He stays out of trouble, and he just, you know, you know, he has he has an, a drinking issue. But uh, I wanted to play that because they got thirty six million dollars, man. Dang, I was I was about, I was going to ask what, yeah, they what got, was the settlement. They got thirty six million dollars at the time. It was the highest settlement for any kind of wrongful conviction. Um, so what's that between four dudes? Yeah. Um. Oof, good question. Seven million dollars? Nah. Nine million dollars. Nine million dollars. So Uncle Sam gonna come take about about half of about, that. Yeah, about half of that. So he left like four. That's about four million dollars. No education. No idea how money works really, because you were arrested when you were like sixteen years old. Yeah. And so what they did eighteen years. They did eighteen years in prison. Like thirty something. Yeah, they come out, but they come out. They come out about just shy of forty. Forty. And so what was the one that had the? That was Vernil Jemerson. Vernil Jemerson. He the had one. a crack addiction. Blew through his money pretty hardcore. He yeah. says it was some doctor bills. I don't know what the doctor bills were yeah. for. So what he had like some type of PTSD or yeah. I mean when he said it was from real shit when he said yeah. like you know you know you still have those um, cell doors closed yeah, yeah. and it's easy to just go oh man whatever man you smoked all your money up and crack but if he was abusing substances to but escape four those million kind of, dollars drugs that is that's listen that's man crazy. that crack they say that crack man I'm telling you. Wow, that that addiction is real. And when you got money to blow, you just—they say he was buying cars and houses again. You got a a guy who stunted at seventeen years old. He gets out four million dollars. He probably was buying buying shit that wasn't in style anymore. He's like, man, I'm gonna get me a a Run DMC tracksuit. Well, that's how old people. Dookie damn. ropes. You know, get me a get me a, a Cadillac. You know, all these dreams of everything, and you don't even know how money works. So you just like, I got money to spend, and but you don't know you ching ching yeah. chunks. You just taking chunks out. And you're smoking rock on recreational time. Amount, I mean, I'm talking about he probably had days where he smoked rock all day. And now he just gets $700 a month from disability or whatever. Yeah, $700 a month disability. That is crazy, Life comes man. at you fast, man. My goodness. Life comes at you fast. I'm going to go ahead and close this out because, you know, again, like I said, I just wanted to play the where they where are they now. Yeah. Um, one of the men, unfortunately, Dennis Williams died not long after they got out from a heart attack. But... um. They got out, you know. Uh, on June 6, 1997, Ira Johnson, Red Ro Ira Johnson and Red Robinson were officially charged with kidnapping and murder. Facing the death penalty, both pleaded guilty later that year and received life in prison without parole. Johnny Rodriguez was convicted as well and is now also serving life in prison. Laura went on to say, I've heard people say this case shows that the death penalty works because the condemned were proved innocent before it was too late. But Williams, Adams, Range, and Jemerson weren't freed because the system worked. They were freed because we got lucky. In a passing moment, in an interview that, uh, that w in an, had an interview not been conducted with Paula, had a different box of case files been opened, 
a different conversation with Ira, it all would have ended another way. So like she said, this is this case is another is another reason why I'm against the death penalty, because it's a question that you have to ask yourself with is if you're pro death penalty, what percentage of innocent people are you comfortable with dying a year? Because that's going to happen. Is it 25 percent? Is it 10 percent? What's the percentage? Because innocent people will die. You know, so that's the question you really have to ask yourself. I want to give a shout out to Laura Sullivan, Stacey Dello, Stephanie Goldstein, and Professor David Protest because, I mean, they were like Charlie's Angels and Bosley. I mean, they they really hit the streets. They they got this case to, you know, the right eyes. They put attention on it. They did all the right things. And because of that groundwork, they got the case reopened and solved. That's luck, man. Exactly. That's, That's 100% crazy. luck. These dudes could have died on death row. Yeah. You know, so um, that was the story of of uh, of the uh, Ford Heights four and their exoneration and um, rest in peace to those two young people, Larry Lyonberg and and, uh, and uh, Carol Schmall. You know, they were just wrong place, wrong time kind of situation. But four men almost lost the rest of their lives over that. And luckily, through DNA evidence, they were proved innocent and exonerated. Um, let's go ahead and jump into these good vibes, man. Let's see, let's see how this goes, huh? That's right, folks. Um, we're gonna try to lighten the mood up a bit from that intro. Uh, like I said, it's been a rough week, but I found some pretty um lighthearted news. It's a very quick story, but. What's this, the remix? I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, just the music itself is providing vibes, right? Yeah. I'll tell you, whatever can uplift the spirits, I'll take <laughs> it at this point, man. But right here in, in Maryland, in Annapolis to be specific, Breonna Taylor's mother came and visited because there was a uh, a mural painted on a, on a court at a park. A huge mural was painted on the ground. And her mother came here to visit. Mm. And... Um, it really is beautiful. I really I plan on... It's at Chambers Park in Annapolis, Maryland. I plan on, you know, making my trek out there just to, you know, maybe go check it out. It's like a whole basketball court. Really? Yeah, it's like a beautiful picture of her face. And her mom, you know, with everything that's going on, she took time out of her out of her schedule to get on a plane and come here to Maryland and go see that. That's dope. See what the tribute that they paid to her daughter, you know. And again, I don't know how many times we have to say it. I guess we have to say it until it happens. But arrest the officers... The, the judge is responsible. Whoever wrote that warrant, anybody responsible for what happened to Breonna Taylor. There actually is a video that came out of those same officers, not the, the same department, at least, I believe, serving a no-knock warrant at another house where they thought somebody was growing weed or something, but a family had just moved in. Bust the door in, threw smoke grenades in the house. It was just a family with, like, three young kids, traumatized the kids. Wow. You know, and, and, you know, and so no-knock warrants, at the very least, I hope, you know, I believe we read something earlier on where it's like, those are done now. Yeah. If there's any good to come from this, I hope it's that. Because all they're trying to do is make sure they get in there while the drugs are still on the table. You know, but if you're yeah. making mistakes like this, you can't have a no-knock warrant. Somebody hear their door busting. If they own a gun, the first thing they're going to do is get their gun. Uh, yeah. The, if they're whatever, the first thing they're doing is like, who the hell is them? They're not coming to the door like nicely. Yeah. So you're, if your reaction is, 
all uh is all aggressive and a person is like who the hell is in my house hey man don't approach us like that and then you shoot somebody in their home for being rightfully upset about somebody kicking their door in yeah and they end up dead for their not being able to quote control their emotions you know so rest in peace to brianna taylor but i really yeah. I, I appreciate annapolis for allowing that to happen to allowing for allowing a public space to commemorate this young lady in this way and i'm glad the news got to her mother and she was able to come and see how her daughter was being paid homage to here in my own state of maryland so i just thought that was that gave me some positive vibes in this in these dark times yeah that's cool man i would love to go down there out there and, and to see to see that uh yeah, what's up what's up something else? yeah for sure um my story is happens in maryland too oh cool um so a blind mom was able to see her unborn baby thanks to a 3d printing 3d printed ultrasound taylor ellis was born with glaucoma and has very little vision when she went in for her 20-week scan and was unable to see her baby she left she was left in tears when doctors found out she was upset they conducted a special ultrasound made a made they conducted a, a special ultrasound and made a 3d printout of her unborn daughter's face mm. So 26-year-old Taylor and her husband Jeremy, who was also visually impaired, received a received a special scan um and the post a week later, they were able to feel the baby's face as a result, and it was a dream come true. That's beautiful. Baby Rosalie is now 10 weeks old, and mom of three, Taylor said the 3D printing technology most commonly used to make car parts has been life-changing. Yeah. So John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore usually uses the technology to create models of unborn babies with spina bifida. Mm. It allows surgeons to get a clear image of the spine of babies to see if they needed in-womb surgery. When an ultrasound sonogram at the same hospital found out, he suggested that the technology be used to help blind parents. It is thought to be the first hospital in the world to offer this service. In the world. Amen. They do, some, they do some very revolutionary things at Johns yeah. Hopkins, you know. Uh, Taylor, a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home mother from Cockeysville in Maryland says, I always thought about what my baby would look like and was always saddened to know I wouldn't I wouldn't have the same opportunity as, as other mothers. Mm. My sight wasn't as bad with my first two children, so I could see the 2D, the 2D ultrasound. When she received the 3D ultrasound, Taylor said, of the excitement moment i had um the realization that this was my baby's face it was so heartwarming i showed off my scan to my daughters and my parents um on video chat so i thought that was pretty cool that's beautiful man um because it also sounds kind of unorthodox it sounds like, it sounds like yeah. the doctor did it on the fly like you know what i think we could do something at, at least that's how it sounds you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a very talented uh very smart people that do, that can just be like this what, this will work yeah, off whip the, something up for yeah you. like that's that's crazy yeah so i thought that was pretty cool shout to johns hopkins um i'm glad to be from baltimore that very well-known worldwide hospital yeah even just going in there you're like <laughs> I, I was in there uh not too long ago and then you got they have all these pictures of these people it's mm. like who are these people on the wall the best surgeons ever surgeons yeah. and people that donate all kinds of millions of dollars it's like oh yeah. my goodness but you take it you you kind of take it for granted it's like being from 
you know, uh, Wisconsin or something, and you're the home of the, the yeah. world's largest thermometer, and you're yeah. like, that's just that thing in town. Yeah. But, you know, Johns Hopkins is just something we ride by all the time, have our whole lives, but yeah. it really is. Like, people fly here from all over the world to get stuff done. It's yeah. one of the best hospitals in the country. It's, it's just one of the things where you go, like, it's nothing. Nothing's crazy here. Like, you look at other places and be like, they got this, they got yeah. that. You be like, oh, nothing. It's nothing about it. Because other people yeah. see it differently. Like from people are like, I need to go to this doctor at Johns yeah. Hopkins University. He's the best doctor in the country. And we go, oh, that's shit. My grandmother used to work there. She she used to fold the laundry there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I I've been all in the basements of Johns Hopkins yeah. and was would tag along with my grandmother while she yeah. was like in the custodial industry there and yeah. stuff. All so kinds it, of famous people come here to go to the hospital. Yeah, man, big time. Yeah. You know, so it's you know it's a very good hospital and it's here in our home little our little hometown of Baltimore. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, that's that's our good vibes. Um, again, like I said at the like we said at the top of the show, it's, it's been a rough time. Um, if I, if there's one thing that I could take away, one thing, one one last thing, one more time, you know, prayers to Jacob Blake. I hope he makes a full full recovery and has his day to say his piece on what happened in that on that crazy day. But when it comes to chat with Bozeman, my, my last words on chat with Bozeman, at least for today, um, you never know what people are going through. Um, you never know when your time is up. So just make the most of every moment, man. I feel like we've said that on this podcast. Like, if you got something you want to do, do it. If you want to start a podcast, you yeah. want to travel, you want to whatever, you know, do it, man, because you just never know. And what I'll say also is to men, black men specifically, because the cancer rates in black men are 18% higher than in other races. And women, I think it's somewhere around the same percentage. They say the the age that you should start getting checked for, like getting colonoscopies, is forty five. Get it done earlier, man. Get it done at thirty seven, thirty eight. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman got diagnosed at thirty nine years old, and he died at forty three. It yeah. happened that fast. Well, they said I did read that they um they said to get it checked around like forty ish, but also if you have somebody in your family that had it early, get it ten years or like ten years or five years early than what they got it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Um, that's our word of advice, man. Um, uh, one thing I'll say, uh, as far as in some slightly lighthearted news is, um, this week we will be premiering Fran on film as a sneak peek to people before it comes out officially on our Patreon, which will be coming out later on in the week. Um, I'm really excited for people to hear this. Um, this is Fran. You've never heard. I mean, you might have heard Fran like this to some points in the podcast, but this is a very, is a very exciting venture. It's completely improv. It, you know, we're we're stepping out of our comfort zone, getting having a little fun, and I'm really excited for people to hear this. So um, that'll be coming probably Tuesday, so the day after you're hearing this. Yeah, um, this is a big month though. I think we got that coming out. We got yeah, the, we got Jensen and Hole. We got yeah. we have an episode that we did with Jensen and Holes, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing that as well. Very intelligent dudes. They do a lot of great work stuff. Yeah, shout we, out to them. Yeah, and um, so we're excited for you guys to hear that. And with the Patreon coming out, Serial and Serial coming back, we're just trying. We're just trying to make the most of our time, man. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, if 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 there, if I ever needed a battery in my back, uh, finding out that Chadwick Boseman did like five movies while he was uh, going through chemotherapy and getting yeah. surgeries and no excuses. Like, there's no, you know. I read something, and I'm not trying to, and I don't want to make it like feel like an attack. But I read something that said, um, "Don't, don't, uh, don't glorify Chadwick Boseman 
for uh because he was sick because that's insulting to people who might have disabilities and and I don't want anybody to take that that kind of way but I can't do anything but that yeah so I so I will continue to do that because uh, uh suffering and dealing with cancer and saying no nah, man I, I not today I, I gotta I gotta get up and do this film I gotta get up and go visit these kids who are dying from cancer yeah. and be and be the Black Panther to them it's not about me so I can't I, I have to celebrate that because that's that's amazing to me yeah he already was an amazing person but then to find out you did that movie that changed the culture yeah and you were you were suffering through cancer no man that's you gotta you gotta give it up to somebody like that yeah. you don't go no don't that part doesn't matter that part absolutely matters because what are you doing what are you not doing what is stopping you from getting up in the morning and doing the things that you want to go do and accomplish yeah I'm certain it's not colon cancer I'm certain it's not so there's no excuses man I'm not gonna say less 2021 and all this kind of stuff now that's, and that I'm glad you said that because that's a that's a habit of, for me and a lot of other people that we go oh next, next year next year next year is my year oh, next it? week you might not be here next yeah, year yeah you might not be here next yeah. year so it's today it's to, it's tomorrow but literally not not the 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 metaphorical tomorrow yeah tomorrow when you get up make the first move to your goal yeah find the thing that gives you purpose. And attack it with everything you got, cause you don't, you you might not even you might not even get to the finish line, cause you don't know what's promised. But wouldn't you want to die pursuing something that makes you happy? Yeah. Especially with twenty twenty, man. Throwing they throwing hay, it's throwing haymakers <laughs> left and right. I tweeted I tweeted earlier. I said before we get out of here, I tweeted earlier. I said, man, I'm I'm scared. I'm scared to go into a new month. Yeah. Cause it's like I don't, what's next? Yep. I don't even you know it's. Uh, we make all these jokes. I, when we were first coming into August, it was like, man, this is September was crazy. I think August, the aliens might just come. Or July was crazy. I think maybe the aliens might come in August. We make it all the way through August. It was crazy. You know, all these protests and this thing with Jacob Blake happened. You go, damn, shit, can't let up. And then on three days before the month is up, we can't even make it out of August. And then Chadwick Boseman is dead. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's shocking, man. That's shocking. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anything could top Cole because it just was so. It was so miraculously uh, um, heartbreaking and sad with his daughter and the other families and everything like that. But as far as shock, this is equal to that to me. I want to know what my count of going, what the fuck, man? I woke up like... The WTF count is off the Richters, man. Like If you had to to do a shot every time you said, what the fuck this year, you would be very alcohol poisoned. I mean, it, it is... It's, a it's like it's like you go to sleep and wake up and it's like, what else, man? <laughs> literally, I was ta- I was talking to Sierra on the couch and I, I was literally talking I'm like, you know, it's just been a crazy year and I'm you know I'm just feeling a little bummed out and da 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 da. Chat with Bozeman died. It's like, man, I'm I'm going what what? Yeah. I'm going to sleep, man. I'm going to sleep because that's the only thing I can do to just escape, escape this yeah. year. But anyway, I think we're starting to tarnish the good vibes, so we're going to go ahead and get out of here before we make you guys feel any more sad. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Deuces.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 